Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The RPG Show. I'm your host, Nick, and once again, I'm joined by two pretty awesome guys. We've got Kevin and Kyle. How are y'all doing today? I'm doing great. Doing well, doing well. Always good to hear. Um, if you're new here, the way we do stuff around here is we typically play uh, and review JRPGs, but sometimes we branch out to like other genres. Well, typically they all have like a bit of an RPG twist to them. And when we talk about a game, we do gameplay, story, visuals, music slash voice acting, replayability uh, slash extra content, and trophies, and then our overall experience. And we score everything on a rating scale from 0.5 to 5. And we obviously allow half scores because I fucked that up on like episode 3. And then uh, when Kevin became more of a regular, he added to the fuckery with the below 1. Because it used to be 1 to 5. Uh, but I, I kind of blame you on that one, though. Well, because you wanted zero. Well, you picked the the shittiest game in the, the history <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I think that was a pure, Which, was that pure solar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, like Kyle saying pre-show, we sometimes you gotta play some shitty stuff. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be that bad. Okay, like it looked like a fucking old school. GRPG, and I was like, this could be fun, and then we played it. And then I played it twice. Because <laughs> I'm got, fucking stupid. And then we got the slippery trophy, because we're masochists. Well, you know, uh, that wasn't as hard as uh, some other stuff we've done. Really? That was the hardest trophy. It was super fucking annoying. That, like, that took me like a couple days to master. It was frustrating for sure, but it was only like seven minutes of intense concentration <laughs> and bullshit fucking input uh, delay and stuff. But uh, there's something we did that I thought was more difficult, but I can't fucking remember what it was. But definitely the most traumatizing was that slippery shit. Well, what's the other game you picked that no, that no one else likes? Uh, it's like that. Or... Dude, that's fucking like half the games I picked. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You have to be more specific. Uh, Travis did it with us. It was like an oh. RPG. Uh, well, I mean, Pathologic 2 was a bad one, I guess. Uh, Pathologic 2 was okay, it just was creepy as fuck. You didn't like fucking Trinity Souls of Zillow. Yeah, that one was okay. Fucking scrolling through this goddamn shit. 
But that the one where like you had to beat the game twice or something like that, <clears throat> and you had to fight that like queen, and you have all these different lines going everywhere, or, like the different angles you can. Natural shoot. doctrine. Natural doctrine. That one had some hard trophies, yeah. Hell yeah! But that shit was a blast. I don't care what everybody else says that it sucked. I love it. There's people that said it sucked and didn't put like enough time into it because it did get better. I mean, it was a hard. It's hard entry. But uh, once you get into it, it wasn't bad. It's definitely a, a tall wall to climb over. And I'm sure people have a lot of like information overload from it because there's all kinds of shit going on. And it's like, all right, if you can't sit and like analyze the screen for like a minute and understand what the fuck is happening, because it's all like the game tells you exactly what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but and then it's also, it's also a case of like you have to have precognition almost because it's like sometimes you'll walk into a tile and then like shit bursts out of a wall and your team just gets fucking smoked and you're like all right well well it's trial now I know that that happens it's trial and error like that there's that one dungeon where it's like every every step like you get murdered so it's like you gotta keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and it's it's definitely satisfying once you do uh, get through some of those uh, dungeons but. It definitely takes a lot of uh, persistence and will, <laughs> willpower. Right. It's for a special kind of person. Like how, uh, like, sim games are for special kind of people or whatever, or like, like, Armored Core or something like that, where you have to be, like, a fucking stats nerd, where you spend, like, five hours with a spreadsheet, and you're like, all right, which part goes best on this robot to get this thing that I wanted to do, and whatever. Like, most people are like, fuck that. I just want to play the game. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how that natural doctrine shit was but uh today we're talking about sea of stars not natural doctrine but um let me do some catch-up so have you been playing anything uh since live alive uh kevin or you just been doing uh sea of stars basically been doing sea of stars i did take a pokemon siesta um i don't know every once in a while i'll get the itch to play pokemon click some pokemon um I figured out that I can move all my Pokemon to Pokemon Home, and so that kind of, like, gave me some motivation to, like, finish Pokemon Sword, get as many Pokemon as I can, try to get my Pokedex filled up, and then I went back to Pokemon Sun and got all the legendaries that I didn't get, because, I don't know, legendaries are hard to get and you can't really trade for them, so I got the, all those and I moved them all to my Pokemon Home and... Did that, uh, but yeah, that's basically it. All right, cool. What about you, Kyle? Uh, yeah, cleared out a couple of things. Uh, finished the Dark Cloud 2 Platinum. That took way longer than I wanted to, but got that done. Um, rifled through the end of Secret of Mana, just to wrap it up after a while. Um, and then started Xenogears as well. I haven't played that in a bit. Um, also got into the uh, Final Fantasy demo as well. Final Fantasy VII demo was really good. Oh, yeah, I started that. I just haven't gotten to finish it because I wanted to finish this game. Well, apparently there's free shit for doing the demo, so that means i got to fucking play it myself. I think as long as you just have a save, it'll just you get, like, a accessory or something. Oh, so you don't have to complete it? You just, like, load it up and save? I think so. I think it just has to detect, like, the data. I could be wrong. Maybe, okay. maybe you get something for finishing it, but I know the majority of stuff, you just get it for having it on like a save file or something. I think at least you don't have to play it again when you're playing the actual game for the first demo. 
The only thing that I don't know, like that doesn't, I don't like about that is that sometimes when you play a demo, uh, then the trophies don't pop. So you gotta play it anyways. Like if you skip this part. So. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. I know that happened with like, uh, there's a Trails 2 or Trails 3 demo or something like that of Cold Steel and like you skip the prologue, but there's like a trophy in the prologue and I had to go back and play it anyway, so. Yeah. And that's the risky tape of take of playing demos, I guess. Yeah. That Grand Blue Fantasy demo, I guess, like people are like pretty good, or, or that game is actually getting some decent reviews. So I don't know if any, any of you guys played that demo. I did. Yeah, because you get three um, things that are, at the beginning of the end, they kind of help, but they're kind of worthless so overall. Uh, like they're just little bonuses when you start the actual game. Uh, and I've been playing the fuck out of that. Grand I think I got like six. Yeah, I got like sixty hours in that shit. And uh, if you're interested in playing it, I would say play it now. Otherwise, like getting the platinum trophy will be very much more difficult in the future if people stop playing it. Why is that? Because you can do. Uh, you have to pretty much get through all the content and get to like the very last fight. Uh, which is so there's. The game is split into like two things. You have uh, like the storyline, which is like the campaign, I guess, and that's like 10, 11, 12 hours ish, depending on how fast you get through it. Um, and then the actual meat of the game is like the post game content, where you are powering up your characters and you're just grinding through essentially what are uh, like boss uh, killing missions over and over again to get materials and like get stronger. Um, and the very last one drops. Uh, at random, a like the best weapon for each character. I mean, there's like 16 or something, 17 characters-ish. So you have to grind that to get all of the weapons to drop to fill out your build notes journal, which is a trophy. Hmm. And so if you have people to play with who also have like maxed out characters, you can get through it pretty easily. Otherwise, you'll have to like grind a lot to gear up your AI partners and so that they can actually help you with the fight. Because if, if you... The AI characters that you can have like playing with you are actually like really good at not dying, which is a far cry from actual players. So if you can get them geared up, it would actually make it easier to have them like fighting like with you as opposed to actual people. But the problem is that it takes four times as long because you have to gear up your main character, then you gotta gear up like your second and your third, then your fourth. And so you'd just be grinding four times as long for stuff when you could potentially get it done quicker with people so really what you're saying is maybe gear up one one side character and then like have one friend you should be good well whoever's hosting gets to have their ai characters with them so if you only have one person playing with you then you would need two uh ai characters kind of geared up so you get two so like well that's including your main one that you're playing as if we ever do that then i can just mean you could just knock it out That'd be cool, because I'll have a maxed out character, probably. <laughs> well, we can always pick it for the show eventually. Is it that good, like you would pick it for the show? I... So, I would not pick it for the show if we wanted to talk about, like, a good RPG to recommend to people. But it's a good game if you like grinding. And yeah, I, I'm uh, like, I'm kind of in that niche of people, because, like, I used to play Korean MMOs and shit all the time, and they're nothing but grinding. And uh, if you like just beating the shadow stuff and like getting that 
uh, like power level feeling. Like you feel your power going up and you're getting stronger as you're playing the game. Uh, then you'd probably like it a lot. Okay, then I like and it. Like it goes it goes against a lot of like the modern I guess design philosophy of you get stronger, but also the enemies get stronger, so you don't feel like you're actually power scaling. Like in this. When you get stronger, like uh, like you can run like a, in like an earlier quest and like one shot bosses and shit because you're that much stronger than them now. Like you do the side content uh, so you can kick the boss's ass, like exactly. Okay, I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking great. Like, there's uh, I've been playing with a buddy and he like doesn't have a job and he's got all kinds of problems. But <laughs> uh, I I talked him into playing it and he like played like 150 fucking hours in the first week it came out. Holy shit! So he was just like carrying me through shit. I'm like. This is cool, I guess, but I'm not really having fun because I'm not playing the game. <laughs> but, uh, like, eventually I got to kind of his level, and so we were, like, doing the final, uh, like, boss fight over and over again. But then we have the problem where we get people that join that, uh, don't, like, have never done the content before. So they just get, uh, absolutely destroyed by the boss. And unfortunately, like, everybody in the group shares this, like, global timer. So if you're dead, uh, like this bar called the critical bar ticks down slowly, and when it hits zero, everybody gets game over. But you can avoid that from happening by like reviving people that are dead. But uh, sometimes when there's shit flying all over the fucking screen, you can't get to them to revive them because you have to like stand where they're dead at, and you can't do that when there's shit fucking literally like bombarding the whole fucking screen, and you're supposed to be not dying. So it's it's like a weird thing where like if you're playing with people that actually absolutely fucking suck ass, like there's no way you're getting through the content because they die too much. Man, that sounds and fun, dude. It's it's a fucking blast. Like if you get time to play it, I highly recommend it. Because uh, I think you bought it, right? Well, I yeah. saw that you had it or something. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we should do it for the show then. That we'll, we'll we'll put it, I'll put it on the list for us to play eventually. Okay. That's cool. I mean, we could probably squeeze it in as... I don't know how Kyle feels about playing it, but depending on how fast we feel re, uh, we finish Rebirth, maybe we could put it between Rebirth and Ayudin. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe. Alright. Well, that's what I've been doing. Just playing Grand Blue. <laughs> Since Live Alive. What's that? That was a nice transition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was supposed to be replaying this, uh, Sea of Stars, but I I got to Brisk, and I was like, ah, I mean, I've played this already. I'll come back to it, because it's a short game. It's like, what? It, I think it maybe took you, like, 30 hours of flat? Uh, like I said, I don't know how long I actually... My game hours say, like, 48 or something. Cause I, right. Like I said, I had it let it sit a couple times, where I was not paying attention. <laughs> I was, like, playing Pokemon and this at the same time, so, like... I would start playing Pokemon and I get lost into that, and then like my game counter would go up. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess for anybody that's generally like into RPGs, this is a shorter end, especially if you don't want to do all the extra content. If you just do all like the mainline stuff, uh, I'd say it's about twenty hours for mainline, maybe a little bit longer, like twenty two, twenty three, and then like thirty ish odd, like high twenties, low thirties for fully one hundred percent completing the game. And if you're doing trophy stuff, maybe a little bit longer, depending on when you pick up like the Artful Gambit relic, and if you are able to do the Moonring shit. Because uh, yeah, there are some like Moonring shit wasn't too bad um, for me. I got it like on the like I don't know when I knew that was a trophy. I just like focused on just doing that. So once I did that, it took me like an hour maybe. 
to get down. Okay. But uh, the, I think the, the Arful Gambit thing was, like, kind of frustrating. Because, like, it's basically, like, playing the game a different way. Like, it, it changes all your strategies and everything. And I almost think I had more fun playing it that way than the rest. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. Because it became more, not, like, so much of, like, a puzzle game but you had to like figure out all right who can i use to break the locks and then who can i use to maximize damage while i'm able to and then you have to get good at timing uh, too right like you see the attack you're like okay i know what this is about and there's like you can give yourself a buffer uh like with the survive attacks of one health yep. relic or whatever yep. so you can be like okay i fucked that up let me heal up <laughs> we'll try that again kind of thing and yeah i definitely had more fun with that on uh, I don't know, but this game has a lot of like customizable difficulty options like that. You can make the game like super easy. You can make it kind of like uh, more challenging. I wouldn't really call this game hard, but you can make stuff more punishing if that's what you would like. Uh, and they're all kind of just based off of this relic system that they have. But we'll go more into that later. Um, I guess we've dilly-dallied long enough. Sea of Stars is about... Uh, it's a retro-inspired turn-based RPG that was developed by Sabotage Studio. Uh, their only other game, I think, is called The Messenger, and this serves as a loosely related prequel to The Messenger. Um, Can you explain how, or no? Is it just because of the same universe? Did you say, did, do they explain how, in, like, in the game? No, like, do you, can you explain how? Because I couldn't figure Oh, out. can I do it? Sure, okay. Uh, so, when you get to the end of the game, and depending on your ending, uh, you have the uh, book chick, the archivist, I can't remember the fuck her name is, uh, but her, and then uh, the robot guy. Meeks. Uh, archivist. It's Meeks? Teeks. Teeks, right. Yes, yes, yes. And then the, the robot guy is the artificer, right? Yeah, artificer. Okay. Artificer. Uh, yeah, and then if you, spoilers, have somebody not dead anymore, uh, <laughs> they have, like, that uh, altar with the sun and the moon on it. Yeah. So that altar appears in the messenger, but the messenger's, like, a couple millennia in the future. And you go there, and it's a separate dungeon you have to go through, and when you get there, you hear the voices of the gods talking, and it's uh, Zael or... Uh... Damn, what the fuck are these characters' names? Zael and Valeria? Hmm? Valerie, you mean? Yeah. Uh, Valer in Zael, right. Oh, I... um, and it's them talking, but they have like their actual god names, like Solaire and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luna, whatever the fuck it is. Oh, yeah. uh, actually, I don't even know if they're named, but it's, like, it's obviously the two characters because they, they become gods at the end of the game. Right. Spoilers or whatever the fuck. Uh, I'm sure we have the spoiler warning before this, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the first thing you hear when you play the... Alright, again, I'll stop saying that shit, but... Uh, yeah, so that's that's essentially the tie-in. Um, okay, so I didn't I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's I was because I was like uh, confused a little bit too. But then there's also like a lot of the stages that are in the messenger are in this game as well. Like essentially the island where the Fleshmancer's uh, clockwork thing is at. Almost all those stages are in uh, the messenger as well, and the music's pretty much the same. So oh, that, that was kind of a cool thing when I was playing the messenger because I, I played the messenger after this. And I was like, oh, shit, I know this place, and I know this song. That's kind of cool. So and I, for... the, the, I guess they're saying there's a flood, so maybe that's the only island that's left or something like that. Uh, right, like shit melts or something, and uh, like demons attack, and they 
I don't know why the gods don't stop the demons. I guess they lose their powers or something. But uh, like, there's only one island left in the messenger, and there's like one town with ninjas in it, and they're the only humans left or something. Uh, and then like, there's like all kinds of fucking shenanigans that go on. The game's great. The game's, in my opinion, way better than this one. Uh, so I would highly recommend anybody play the messenger, even if you don't like platformers too much, because it's a, a, a fantastic experience. Um, and you don't have to be good at platformers to play it. Like there are, there's optional stuff that you have to have like really good like timings and stuff for, and like an idea of how to do the mechanics properly. Uh, I have like watching videos for some shit because it was like you had to do really off the wall stuff that like you can you can do like it's part of the game, but it's real fucking difficult to just figure that shit out or get the timing right. Uh, but other than that, it's a pretty accessible game, and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really talk too much about the plot in The Messenger, because it's really, it spoils pretty much half of the game, if you spoil the plot kind of thing. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I just bought it, like, after I played, after I beat this, I went and bought it, and it was like five bucks on sale right now on PlayStation Network, so. Oh, yeah, it takes like ten hours, maybe, to beat. Uh, and then there's like, there's a DLC stuff. If you're trying to get 100%, though, like, or a plat, it will probably be like 15, 16 hours-ish. That's not bad. Uh, yeah. So it's not too bad. But, but um, Sea of Stars is inspired by a lot of retro games, and that includes like Super Mario RPG, Illusion of Gaia, and Chrono Trigger, and we've actually played all three of those for the show, or at least I have. Some of you, or I guess you two haven't played those ones for the show. Oh, no, we did Super Mario RPG. In a, uh, but Illusion of Gaia and Chrono Trigger did with Brent. Did you do those as well? Uh, I've played Chrono Trigger, but not for the show. Mm-hmm. But not, I, I think I played Illusion of Gaia like way back in the day, but... That's, yeah. Right. Yeah, same there. Okay, okay. Uh, and Sea Stars came out in uh, August 29th, 2023, and it was a previous Kickstarter project that did pretty well i think they got like uh one and a half ish million dollars of canadian bucks so not too bad i know i backed it yeah i did as well uh i think travis did too yeah he he regrets it but whatever (laughs) he regrets a lot of stuff he's he's, he's definitely like the old men for the muppets uh for everything like, he hates everything. Oh, yeah. Until he likes something. Well, he likes the messenger, so that's something, I guess. Yeah. But it's a platformer, not an RPG. Yeah. He likes he's definitely burned out on RPGs, I guess. Yeah, he's over them. He's getting over platformers, too. He's like, I got this fucking Trials of Exile or whatever game. It sucked. I was like, all right, well. Lower your expectations, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Well, we'll start moving on and uh, get into the gameplay. Now, normally Kevin does this, but I think Kevin and Kyle are going to switch up a little bit, or... I don't know. Yeah, I'll, we, uh... don't, we don't have to, but I thought, you know, since you picked this game, you can go in the gameplay, but if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. I don't care. No, I can take the reins here. 
So, uh, yeah, we'll start with gameplay. Uh, we usually go over battle system, character growth, mini games, traversal shops, and what is unique. Um, they're probably going to meld them between each other, but I'll do the best I can here, uh, first-timers, so, you know, just bear with me. Uh, so, battle system we're going to start with. Uh, battle system is pretty standard for most... Super Nintendo Genesis-based RPGs. Uh, you got a party of up to three characters. They have timed hits. It is a turn-based system. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's pretty standard overall in that sense. Um, what this game adds that a lot of others don't is they have what's called a lock system. Um, your characters have certain types of attacks, be that uh, different magical elements, um, fire... Moon, or sun, moon, uh, poison, and I think there's one more, whatever it is. Um, they also have bludgeoning and slashing attacks. Um, and if you hit those attacks against enemies when they have those symbols above their head, you can stop their attacks from hitting. So kind of a nice system there. Brings a little bit more strategy to the game. Um, other than that, you got your basic stuff, magic items. You can do combos between your characters and others in your party. You get a total of up to six, and they can mix and match throughout the combat. Um, it's a little bit like Final Fantasy X, where any character can be changed at any point in time, um, as long as there's an open slot to move. Um, so if two of your characters have gone, you can only switch the last character out until a new turn hits. Um, overall, I thought it was pretty fun, um, pretty enjoyable for the timed hits. There's timed defense as well. Um, <clears throat> We somewhat talked about it earlier uh, with the Relic system that allows you to change the difficulty for the game. One of those, as we kind of talked about, was the Artful Gambit, which makes it um, drastically more difficult. And a lot of the combat, both the timed attacks as well as the timed defense, need to be hit um, to survive and succeed. So I thought that was kind of nice. And honestly, uh, I think we've all mentioned it a little bit. The battle system almost worked better that way. So I feel like um, they did a really good job with the time attacks overall and i do think that um, it really added a lot to the game i'd say the only things that i didn't really like about it um, in some senses i believe and maybe you guys can back me up on this i think some of the boss attacks that were stoppable in the lock system just couldn't be stopped no matter what characters you had or what combinations there were so some of those attacks are always going to go through no matter what. Um, if that's the system of the game, great. Uh, but I did find it sometimes it was a little annoying. And then I'd say oh. on the other end, um, just the characters didn't get enough combo attacks with others and didn't get enough particular attacks themselves. I believe each character only got three, and you could have six combos total. Um, what do you guys think about the battle system? I think with the locks, uh, there is a way, but it's like... You have to have the combos uh, saved up to do it. Um, maybe I think it's a mix of that and then also like character availability at certain times because there'd be times where like you have a character that is able to do like a specific element, but they don't have like an attack that has enough hits yet because there's like, oh, to break the slot, you need six of these ha hits have to be fucking toxic or whatever. And you're like, I can only do two. What the fuck? I can't stop this shit. Right. Exactly. But, but you, if you do break enough locks, it does lower the attack like percentage. So it goes from like a hundred to like eighty to like sixty, depending on how many locks you break and how many locks there are. Um, and then the other thing, uh, there also is a ultimate skill everyone gets, um, that you build up by doing combos. Uh, and then 
the uh, when you attack an enemy, like little orbs come out of them, and you can get up to three orbs to help power up your character's move. Yeah, the live mana. So you get those when you have a perfect timed attack, or you can have a relic that starts with one or two of them, or if you do a preemptive strike before combat, you'll get a free one as well. Uh, they're basically like a free magic attack. Yeah, that makes. So I think accessory attack. that. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying that they make your attacks magic if uh, you're just doing regular attacks. Yep. But you said there's an accessory that you start off with one, and then so if you start a battle, you get two basically automatically, and then you have one person hit and you have a full, you know, three orbs. And I use that strategy a lot in the head. Um, you know, use the sunball to kind of just take care of the regular enemies a lot through the game. Mm hmm. And then I use like uh, what's his name? Uh, crowd, not uh, the uh, magician guy, Rashan's crowd control to get everyone together and use sunball on him if there was like more than a couple enemies on the screen. So there was like a good like you kind of come up with like a decent strategy, but yeah, there's not a lot of variety to the battle system once you kind of got it figured out. Well, you could come up with strategies, but then you run out of fucking mana, and you're like, all right, I have to spend a battle or two just melee attacking. Oh, yeah, build when, that you, back up. when you attack, you get three mana back. So that's that's another uh, interesting like, thing. I mean, I guess I you could make food, because some of the food restores mana and stuff, but I don't like yeah, doing that. Yeah, cover over that quick for the healing, mostly done with food. Um, you just cook things. You can cover almost all elements mana hp all that kind of stuff you do to get some mp through attacking successfully and blocking as well um so you kind of have a kind of have a way to keep your own health and magic up but i would say there were a lot of points in the game where i thought it was tough to be at full health and magic and that's something that i love to do in rpgs um yeah i always had that relic on where i always got fully healed after every battle <laughs> that would do it too Cheater. Hey, it's hey, part of um, the game. It's hey, not cheating. <laughs> Travis. <laughs> so, uh, I think battle system-wise, that covers it pretty well, though. Unless yeah. you guys have more to add there. No, Sounds good to me. That's pretty All right. Uh, so, next up, growth. Growth is pretty, uh, again, standard for JRPGs. Um, you're going to hear that a lot throughout this podcast, I think, because it's kind of just a, a throwback to those old SNES RPGs. Uh, you level up through combat. Um, you can choose an additional bonus stat increase per each level. But at the end of the game, you can only get so many of each. So say there's only random number five strength bonuses throughout the game. You won't have the choice of getting one every level. But once you choose five of them, they're no longer available. So on a new game plus run, once you get to a high enough level, your stats will be the exact same as anyone else who's gotten to that same level. Um, otherwise, I believe the magic and abilities were learned through leveling. Is that true? I can't remember, honestly. I think for the most part, but then sometimes you get some through, like, story events, and then you can find the, um, scrolls for combo attacks. Oh, yeah, scrolls for combos in the ultimate, I believe, was story-based as well. Yeah, and, like, Zale learned that one attack from the, the dead guy. That dash strike or whatever. No. Oh. Um, otherwise, anything else to add for growth? I mean, pretty simple, I thought. Yeah, that's it's basic. Yeah, we're right. good. 
this one's fun mini games um they had really great mini game personally for me i thought wheels was fucking awesome um so wheels is a weird mix of say slots and um like a two here are two um, character combat system. Uh, you get three rolls, you save abilities, your guys can level up and attack, and basically you have to take ten points away from uh, your opponent. Bunch of different ways to do it. Uh, I know it's a little bit frustrating because the slots are just RNG heavy, but I think it has a really nice mix with the characters that were in there, and I had a great time with it. Um, I know... Through the chat, through the Discord, some people thought it was a little more complex, but I did think it was simple, but really, really well imagined. Um, so I liked that a lot. I really thought the trivia was great. I thought some of the collectibles, while it isn't necessarily a mini game, kind of felt like one. Um, so I just think it did a really good job of, of putting enough in there to keep you entertained, even though the story was maybe a little slower or kind of kind of dull. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, what do you think about wheels in particular? Well, don't forget fishing too. There's fishing. Oh, fishing as well. Yeah, fishing is very basic fishing. So you uh, you reel in. You can get a relic that helps you a little bit more. Yeah, there's like three relics you can get, and then once you get those, like fishing is super easy. But um, uh, I I thought wheels was interesting, but I thought the strategy I don't know. There didn't seem worth it to try to figure out how to use the other character like once i got good at using like the knight character and he can take out you know seven hit points everything else was kind of weaker and i didn't really use anything else and once i've realized the strategy it was kind of boring to me so i didn't really care that much about wheels well you nick uh i agree that wheels is like simple uh so people that say it's complex or I don't know. Think, I don't, overthinking it or something? Because, like you said, it's just slots. But that's therein lies my problem with it. RNG. Is I prefer games that require like me to be strategic. And this felt like your luck of the draw kind of thing, where sometimes I'd be winning, and then like the opponent would get nothing but like hammers, and then they'd have like the priest character or whatever, and then like they'd power up the priest character, who then also like restores their health, and then powers up the other character that they have, and I'm like okay, well, I need a shield uh, or a wall or whatever, and I'd roll for a wall, and I'd get, like, one or two hammers, and you need three for even, like, one wall point to get, to get built up, and I wouldn't get it. And then, like, uh, like I'd power up a character, like the knight, for example, to attack, but then they'd get wall, and so the, the knights, even if I'm doing, like, seven damage, it does, doesn't do shit because it, does, it has to attack the wall first. And it's like, man, this shit felt rigged, and uh, I don't like that. <laughs> Fucking hated. Well, how like it was. It was nice to like win, but it, I didn't feel like I won off of my own merit. I felt like I got lucky, which didn't feel good to me. Yeah, there's like a lack of control that I didn't like. So it's like you roll the the slot, and whatever the first roll you get, whichever you have like a a good like a two slot of, or you know one or two of, you gotta pretty much lock those in and try to get three or four. Because if you try to re-roll the whole thing again, you're basically screwed. So you gotta just roll of what you get and like if you have a mage it takes a fucking couple roll like turns to power it up so i never used them and then like <coughs> the priest was just a healer and i didn't really care about that and then the other i don't know i didn't try the other one so 
I, uh, yeah, it was just, it, was, it wasn't like, it was interesting, it, it's a cool, like, concept, like, they thought of something different, but, uh, I just didn't like the RNG of it. Yeah, you know, that's fair. I thought it was fun for the RNG parts of it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, good mini game, probably one of the better mini games I've seen in a game we've played in a while. Uh, so next up, we got Traversal. Uh, again, mostly standard stuff. At least you get an action button in this, and you can jump. Uh, you also get a grappling hook at a certain point. And eventually, as the game progresses, you can start to fly and do all kinds of random other stuff. So it's not too bad there. Um, I thought it was uh, pretty nice to move around. I thought it worked really well. You run into enemies instead of having random encounters. But none of this isn't something you haven't seen before um so i'd say nothing really blew me away but it was a good time with what they put into it um gonna move on with shops uh shops are standard you did get the relic shop the flying the flying yeah i I mean you can fly it at the end mostly i thought it was cool like it uh the world like the over map like you just your characters just fly around and you can just go anywhere oh yeah yeah, it was nice, but I mean, you've we've seen that in other games. Yeah, I mean, Nothing it came too late. Control. I would like to have been flying sooner. Yeah, the ship, <laughs> yeah. like you get a you get a ship, and like I'm not a fan of how that controlled, where you like it's almost like reverse controls. Um, but well, a... you like spin and hold square to move and shit or something. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, square was always forward, I believe. And then uh, the other thing about traversal, I guess, kind of goes in the gameplay, but you know the puzzles and stuff. Uh, like you said, you have a grappling hook, but you also have like block, like a like a air push move to move blocks around and stuff. That is a good point. I'd say most of the dungeon puzzles in this game are moving blocks. Also controlling time, sort of. Like control the daytime, song, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I guess we can go over that. And what's unique? Yeah, that's getting that one, but um, but otherwise, yeah. To shops, um, standard shops. There's the relic shop that you can buy relics to tweak the difficulty along the way. Um, otherwise, did any of them really stand out to you guys? I can't, especially for me. Uh, every town just basically has a shop where you get your upgraded weapons and some have, uh, relics and some, uh, have, uh, food, but yeah, they're all basically the same. This is one, every town has their own version of it. They definitely do the trope where they sell stuff that you also get in the chest a little bit later, so that's always a little annoying, but whatever. All right, then uh, wrapping it up then for unique things. Um, so I guess the, the day-night system, while it isn't exactly unique, it was very well done in the game. Um, you can use different uh, specific statues to change it, and then later on you get the ability to change the time wherever you're standing. Um, so, you know, do that to backtrack through the game to get extra chests and other stuff later on. Uh, the lock system, I believe, is also in some other games, if I'm not uh, incorrect there, but I couldn't tell you which ones. So I thought that was a little unique. Um, there is no 
actual death uh, during combat in the game either, um, unless all your characters are knocked out. If you have one or two that are knocked out, they will come back after a round or two. So that was a uh, pretty pretty unique as well. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have a whole lot more than that, um, unless you guys add more. Um, not really. It's just it's it's kind of uh, they were saying like an SNES game or. You got some simple puzzles through the dungeons. You got on-screen um, monsters. It it definitely it's like <clears throat> feels like Chrono Trigger type battles where you see them on screen. They kind of jump to get like you jump into the battle like in Chrono Trigger. So I think that's a good homage to them. But uh, yeah, there wasn't anything too complicated. Um, Nikki, anything? No, I think y'all covered it pretty well, but we could probably do likes and dislikes. Yep. Uh, so I was going to start that one off. Likes, dislikes for the end of it. Um, I enjoy this type of game. Like, I can play this style of game forever. Just keep shooting them out at me and give me a different story, and that works. I think the combat could have been a little bit tougher um the relics do make it tough but that was kind of it wasn't a terrible system but i i I think at the end of the day there's only so many moves that you're actually going to use if you have the right combo points for it so it wasn't as deep as as i really hoped um otherwise there's just a lot of things that the game does does well but not perfect um there's I'm sure there's a lot of other indie rpgs out there that do the these things well also but this one i think it just put a lot of really good things together you're going to hear this a lot i think during the rest of the podcast for me especially and i'm not trying to say the game is on that level but this is kind of just like a chrono trigger light in a weird way um it's not chrono trigger it's not nearly as good but it's got a lot of feelings of it and i think they just did a really good job um, so on this one, I'm going to give the gameplay a four out of five overall. Um, then, uh, let's go to Nick. Ready? Uh, I did like the combat, like overall, there were some parts of the game, which felt kind of like BS. Cause I first played the, through the game without like the relic that boosts your health and like recovers your health at the end of battle and shit like that, which I think makes it easy mode. Uh, and so there'd be occasions where, like, there'd be enemies that do, like, full party attacks, and, uh, if you don't, I guess, really use the, like, the healing item recipe stuff very often, which I don't, because I've got, like, a hoarding problem, uh, it makes it difficult to keep, like, a well, I guess, uh, like, a healthy party, because you use, I used it mostly, like, my mana points for, like, healing, and then like would build try to build up combos to so use the healing combo and then like mainly just did like regular attacks for killing shit because like I don't want to waste all my mana because they're hard it's hard to get it back. And like a lot of the characters will have like fucking ten mana and like a spell does like it costs nine. And you're like, alright, I can use one spell every couple turns. <laughs> so do I want to save this for like when I actually need it? Because, like, an enemy will have like a lock that's like, oh, this is three moons and three suns, and I'm like, fuck, I can only do one sun. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do about this shit? Uh, and so it was like, uh, it got, the early, early game's kind of rough, but then when you get all your shit, which I guess is typical of games, uh, at the end game, it gets much more manageable because you can really swap all the people around in your party, 
And if you do run into a situation where like all the enemies require blunt damage or whatever, you have enough party members to deal with that, or you have uh, enemies that require like six fucking uh, alchemy or spirit or whatever the fuck the element is, like the pink one, you can be like, all right, I got a character that can that can cover this. Uh, so it's uh, I mean, it got better as it went along, uh, and I mostly enjoyed it towards the end, especially getting like the artful gambit relic because I think uh. I can't remember if it was pre-show or not, but uh, Kevin and I were talking about that, how it changes the game, kind of. It makes the combat completely different, because you're tackling it a different way, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, I, th- um, I like that, too. Um, but I don't think I could do that for every battle. That would have been like, more stressful. I think for boss battles it was fun, but I wouldn't want to do like the regular battles having to deal with that shit. Because some of those you know, regular enemies have, like, uh, party attacks, and that would be annoying as shit. Right. Like, so, and sometimes, like, the regular fights felt more difficult than the boss fight, and I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> Settle down, shit. Like, I can't deal with a fucking three enemies doing party-wide, uh, party-wide attacks at the same time. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I gave this also a 4 out of 5. I don't know that there's too much I disliked about it, but, well, that's more of a story thing, but uh, for general gameplay, it's fine. Uh, like the the puzzles were cool, traversal stuff and stuff was fine. Uh, kind of, it was good. But what about you, Kevin? I'm kind of like on the same page as you for the most part. Uh, combat was okay, but like it definitely got kind of boring, like towards the end. Uh, or if you had too many uh, dungeons in a row, like when you go to that island, it was like two dungeons in a row. It's kind of like dragged on a little bit but generally the balance uh the gameplay balance was pretty decent um the uh, the one thing was annoying there's like you never had enough gold like if you wanted to buy new stuff every time you didn't have enough money because i didn't feel like the enemies dropped gold or anything you had to like sell shit i don't know or find it in in the treasure or something and then there's a trick you can do where you can get 999 gold easily with uh Garls and uh, who's the the uh, Sarai chick. yeah Sarai's uh, combo attack and if you time it right with the piggy bank you get like 300 gold each time um, so you can do like three times in a battle and max out gold at 999 but the annoying thing about that is there you'll need more than a thousand gold to get like a lot of shit in the game so after Garl dies like you don't have something. You just don't have enough money for shit, unless you do all the other side content. I mean, I guess you don't need money that often, but there is this one, like, uh, relic you could get. Um, not a relic. It was a uh, what was accessory. One? one of those gold accessories. And it was like seven. Yeah, uh, Yamara's eye or whatever. Yeah, I have Yamara. <laughs> And I was like, fuck, I don't want to have to come back. So I, then I figured out, oh, you can get that. I looked it up, how to get gold in this game, and then uh, there, you just got to time that thing. So I did that. But, uh, yeah, that was. I just don't like when there's not a easy way to get gold. like not, Or not like a normal way. Like you have to like figure out a way to break it. <clears throat> um, so I, didn't, I wasn't a fan of that. And like you were saying, the magic points, like having... I felt like there's only one good magic attack, and that was that the sunball thing. 
Like everything else, like Valerie's like sun or her moon thing was annoying. Because uh, if you like messed up the timing because like you blinked or something, I hated that. Like you're like you fucked up the one like the the easy first hit of the moon like uh, her uh, crescent arc or moon ring. I think that pissed me off all the time. So I never used that. And everyone else's like magic was kind of weak. So I was was not like impressed by the magic selection. Um, but, and then the other, the, I think my biggest problem with the game was the start, because it was kind of boring in the beginning, uh, battle system story-wise, so it, that's why I think it took me so long to get into the game, it's just because it was kind of meh at the beginning, but then it does definitely get better as you get going on, and you get more characters, and you get more moves and everything like that, uh, and the puzzles get a little bit more challenging, so... To me, it, it's uh, a good game, not a great game, uh, or battle or co- for uh, battle system. But uh, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Okay, I do slight, slightly disagree with you about the the gold shit because I didn't think you needed that much like until like you're trophy hunting at the end and you needed 500 gold to get everybody into the spa and shit. That was super fucking annoying time the farm for but i also never used garl so i didn't know about the fucking piggy bank shit because fuck girl but uh Garl had the highest talk about that Garl had the highest attack until valerie died he was like my main uh attacker uh yeah but i just never wanted to use him <laughs> why i fucking hated his guts oh should have died earlier section <laughs> But we'll wrap up gameplay and uh, take our first musical break. As has become tradition, this is uh, the main theme of the game, which I I think is the main theme. I don't know. I just picked the title th- screen song, but it's uh, going to be Brent's pick. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're going to do the thing. So enjoy. Thank you. 
Alrighty, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed the title screen theme. I don't think I listened to it very often, or very long, actually, when I played the game, because I was just trying to fucking start the game back up. Did you guys sit the mini and listen to it? Nope. Uh, Alright. <laughs> I'll listen to it when I record it for the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, well that brings us to story time. Uh, I think as I said before, I did this... I, beat the game a couple months ago, and I didn't get too very far on this most recent playthrough, so uh, I will kind of do the best I can, but I'm going to be relying on uh, you two guys to fill in blanks or add any uh, more in-depth descriptions to stuff if you think we need it. Sound good? Yep. Alright. Okie dokie. So, uh, this game has a world where there are special people called Solstice Warriors who uh, respectively have either uh, powers over solar energy or lunar energy. And it's, I guess, colloquially, or has an umbrella called Eclipse Magic. Um, and their special magical powers enable them to harm these creatures called Dwellers, which are otherworldly monsters that are created by this... Uh, alchemist demon mage guy who has like godlike powers called the fleshmancer and the two main characters are uh i thought it was called her name was valer but apparently it's valerie oh that's is that like a thing that's how i say it but okay that's how i said it too valer is more so, uh you know sounds more exotic i guess right well i mean if you both say it's valerie i'll do that it's like saying joe Durte. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, Joe Dirt, Joe Dirte. Great, uh, great drop. Well, <laughs> fuck, is that like a thing he said in the show or the movie? Yeah. There's no like, there's no e after dirt though. I know. What? Whatever. All right. So Valerie and Zale are the main characters, uh, and they are delivered to this village as uh, babies or infants, which is a, a thing that's been going on for many, many years. Uh, they get dropped off by this giant eagle. Uh, I can't remember. They call it something special, but it's like this eagle that brings the Eclipse Warrior babies well, you know to is, this right? town. It's, What's that? It's Rashawn. Well, I know, but that, I was going to say that later, but, you know. I thought you... Yes, the, the alchemist guy. Yeah. The, the good alchemist, because there's two. The uh, guy that's the, also the narrator at the beginning. Right. Which, I thought, that was fucking weird. Yeah. That whole I thing. I have a lot of problems with no, it like in that. this game, so we'll get to that shortly. Uh, yeah, so this town uh, is like the Solstice Warrior town where these babies get delivered and they get trained by the, uh, I guess, the remaining uh, living Solstice Warriors uh, to become Solstice Warriors so that they can fight the dwellers. Um... And on this planet, uh, the dwellers kind of show up and they start weak, um, and then they gradually like uh, do all kinds of fucked up shit to get stronger. And if they get too strong, they become world eaters. And uh, it's the Solstice Warriors' duty to stop that from happening. Now the problem is, uh, I think as I said before, the dwellers are only able to be harmed by eclipse magic, and specifically they're only able to be defeated during a uh, like. A, and a solar eclipse. So that means that uh, it takes a while for the, the, social, 
the Solstice Warriors to like get trained and be stronger and then be able to actually fight these creatures. So there's like a balancing game that they did where they uh, tried to only fight the strongest ones because obviously they didn't want them to get too strong to become uh, world leaders. And essentially there was like a big battle. Um, I can't remember exactly which the, what this dweller was called, but it was like the strongest dweller that killed a whole bunch of Solstice Warriors. And now at this point, there's only five of them left. Um, there's the Elder. Uh, I can't remember his fucking name, but... Uh, uh, oh, Moraine. Moraine. Yep. And uh, Berlina and Brewgraves are the the eldest Solstice Warriors. And Valer and Zale at the start of the game are the newbies who are being trained to become uh, warriors. Um, now, uh, the game starts off in their childhood, where they hang out with their friend uh, Garl, and they all kind of plan to uh, become... The, the plan is for uh, Valerie and Dale to become Solstice Warriors, and Garl to join them on their adventures, where they go out and like fight dwellers and save the world and shit. Uh, what they don't know is that uh, the training regimen for Solstice Warriors is like almost a decade, I think. Like it takes a very long time. And they, I guess, thought it would just take them a couple months. They'd be able to get strong, go out and fight, and uh, they'd have like adventures. So Garl is disappointed when they go out uh, and to prove that they're ready to be trained, uh, open this, uh, I guess, sealed exit to the village and go into this uh, like cave system where Garl gets uh, attacked and he loses an eye. And that's because nobody's, none of them are trained to actually fight. They're not prepared to actually deal with monsters. Uh, but this, uh, because they had, because um, Valerie opened the door to get out, it like triggered this bell that warned everybody that somebody opened the gate and they're leaving. So they were saved by Moraine. And because they were so adamant on being trained, he takes them in immediately and starts training them. So we go through this like training montage where they get older, they learn how to fight, they learn how to start using magic for real, and uh, they get to the point where they're ready to do the uh, Trials of the Mist, I think it's called, where they have to learn how to use magic without using magic. And on their way there, uh, they're like sent off by the town, everybody's happy, but they don't see a girl, uh, and they get to the uh, Mist Cliffs, whatever the fuck that place is called, and uh, girl shows up, so he starts tagging along, and uh, they go and meet the the mist person, which is like a floating cloud mist man magic thing. Elder mist. And the elder mist, right? And it's like kind of like an owl, I think, in design, uh, which is irrelevant, but you know that's a it's a wise old owl elder mist thing. And uh, they go through his trial. They learn that using magic without using magic is essentially uh, like I guess gathering mana from. Uh, the world and like coalescing it when they do an, an attack and they can use that to infuse their weapons with their innate element and deal damage to uh, enemies without actually tapping into their their own mana source and this allows their party members to use uh, I guess magical attacks as well even if they don't have access to magics whoa so pretty much just makes Garl who's just a regular dude able to do magical attacks every once in a while um uh, like gameplay wise, it also lets you trigger like uh, 
elemental like lock damage when you can't use you don't have like mana to use spells and shit so if you need to do like one lunar uh, like attack you give uh, like valerie some of the the mana essence shit can't remember what it's called and she can do like a blunt attack and also a uh lunar uh element thing to break a lock if that's what you need to do so uh once they kind of pass the trial their uh the plan is to meet up on this island uh I can't remember what that's called, but it's like a island that's being uh, attacked, or I guess been ruled over by the Dweller of Woe, who uh, has been dormant for a while, or has been there for a while, and it's fine. They're the last Dweller that they know of, and it's time to kill it and free the world of the Dweller's influences. Um, so uh, the plan is for Maureen, Arlena, and Brewgraves to head over there, I guess, eventually. And after they complete their training, Valerie and Zale are to find a way to the island. That's also part of their training. So they end up going through a couple uh, areas and get to this place called Brisk, which is a port town. And they meet some pirates who, uh, one of them, the captain, seems suspiciously uh, like adamant that they travel with them. And uh, they end up getting on this like raft Thing and sailing to the uh, Island of Woe, I guess I'll call it because I can't remember what it's called. Uh, but before then, they go through this little dungeon delve and get this like uh, undead coin thing. And the plan for that is uh, if you have this undead coin thing and you give it to an undead, they grant like any wish that they can or whatever. Uh, and the pirate captain's desire is to get this ghost pirate ship. But we'll get to that later. Uh, you get to the Island of Woe, I guess, and uh, you kind of learn that the Dweller Row there occasionally like possesses people and <coughs> brings them to the mansion that it's, I guess, taken over and, I guess, eats them or eats their souls or whatever. Uh, and Garwa ends up becoming possessed, and uh, you have to save him by killing the, the Dweller of Woe. And... Uh, you come to find out that the pirate captain is actually like this assassin who joins you and uh, helps you save girl. And when you get to fighting the Dweller of Woe, uh, uh, you, you end up saving girl from the possession and everybody kind of goes in and fights the Dweller of Woe, but because only Valer Valerie and Zale are able to fight it, uh, they're the only ones that really take, I think, part in combat. And I think uh, Sarai is like, I'm not helping you fight this thing, if I remember properly. Uh, because Moraine, uh, Rugraves, uh, Erlina, and Zale, and Valerie fight it, and Garl like makes a hole in the roof so that they can see uh, like the eclipse coming in and actually like fight the thing. Anyway, uh, you defeat the well, Dweller of Woe, but then like they uh, have the light of the of the eclipse to get power or power them up, or we can maybe that the light we can we can the dweller right yeah the the, whatever especially about the eclipse yeah to, it has to be targeting the dweller yeah because the the other one they fight they have to like use that teleportation thing she she has right to like make it the the light come into the underground shit or whatever yeah. uh yeah so the party defeats the dweller but then Erlina uh and Brewgraves betray everybody and they summon the cultists that serve the fle fleshmancer because their whole thing is they don't think that the Solstice Warriors should 
be forced to be solstice warriors. They should be able to choose whether or not they want to live their own lives. Uh, but that confused me because if you defeat all the dwellers, then everybody's free to live their own lives, right? So right, that that's that's the first point of contention I had. It was like, but didn't you just say this is the last one? But I guess there is one more. And it's like okay, so you had one more to fight, uh, and you're just giving up, and then you become like just this monstrosity. Like I, I don't know. That was kind of like a reach. Like I was like, I guess this is one of those things you guys just not think about because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> And plus, Bargraves didn't even want to really do it. Yeah. He just went along. He just did it for Lena or whatever. Yeah. Because he's like, he was like, I don't want to remember any of this shit or something. I just wanted to live a, like a happy life or something. So he gets turned into something like a demon and he doesn't remember shit. But I can't, I don't know if Erlina remembers stuff because she's like, I want to be useful or something. But so she turns into like the, I guess the lieutenant for the Fleshmancer and has to. That's that's end game stuff, but yeah, but it's uh, just weird. <laughs> like that's just like a reach because, like, how do the, they don't really explain? They they do it in like a flashback later, but it doesn't really explain it either. Like everyone dies from the that one attack, and then they're the only ones left. But then they they get mad because they have to go fight and save people. Because I don't know. I think what it is is like they uh, like all the people that fought the Dweller of Strife before and, and died. Uh, they felt like they, uh, Erlita and Brugraves felt like they gave their lives up for nothing. I guess because they ended up dying fighting this shit, and they didn't. And they were like, I guess, raised into the Solstice Warrior shit, so they had no choice to live another life. And I guess that's what they were upset about. Like they, these people died, protecting a world, and they had no other choice in the matter, or whatever. But it's like some somebody's got to do it, and they have the uh, like the power to do it. Like it sucks, yeah. But if, if they don't do it, everybody dies, kind of thing. So, but also Zale like, and Valerie were like powerful enough that they could just retire at that point. Also, right, like they could do it themselves or whatever. Like and, so, they could have just lived their lives, whatever. But it makes sense. It's like I don't want to fight anymore, but I'm going to join the bad guys to fight more. So that's that's where I was like I don't I don't get it. Well, I think they were promised like a reprieve from the stuff, and they can go to a world where they there was no fighting. But turns out they just got turned into demons, yeah. and they don't <laughs> remember shit. So it's like all right, well that, that was a great trade. Yeah, you got fucked over, shocker. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> Didn't see that. You one. allied with the Fleshmancer. Like there's something about that name that doesn't really inspire very much confidence that you get to just kind of be happy-go-lucky, right? Like yeah, whatever. Um. Yeah, so uh, they get they betray everybody, and the party's like, "Oh, what the fuck? We gotta stop them from reviving this dweller of strife, which is like the ultimate dweller, I guess." And uh, they end oh, up going to. Everyone, right? That's the one that killed everyone. The dweller of strife. Right, like the previous um, leader of the Solstice Warriors, and like a bunch of fucking other Solstice Warriors died. Yeah. To defeat this thing, and so now like th these two fuckers are like, "Oh, we'll just bring them back." Oh uh, yeah, it's a great fuck plan. <laughs> yeah, so everything uh, they they did it just does it goes against like what they were like mad about. It's like right, and like they couldn't. The the only way that this this thing can be revived is is because it needed like the power of Solstice Warriors to open like an eclipse thing or something to summon it back in the world or something. And so like they literally spent their lives 
protecting the world, and they and then they summon this thing back in that everybody that they loved gave their lives to defeat. Like so, they literally spat on the grave of the people that they right said they loved, or whatever, because they made their efforts literally worthless. So it's like, why the fuck? I don't understand the logic behind that that shit. But maybe it's supposed to make us hate them, but it's just like I just think you're stupid. <laughs> right. Like I was confused about why the fuck they couldn't just live their lives anymore. Yeah, and, uh, but you know, whatever. It's uh, you need plot shit, I guess, to move the plot along or whatever. Yeah, but and... also the thing, like that after this point in the game, like that. Well, after you, the midpoint of the game, they just like disappear forever. Like all the lieutenants and shit. So. Well, right, because uh, the Fleshmancer summons the Dweller of Strife, right, and that's their goal, so they don't need to be there anymore. Yeah, but so then you, the gold turns to like stopping that thing. But I wanted to kill him. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't explain it. I don't, can't help you there. <laughs> took that satisfaction from me. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, your party has to like uh now has to stop the dweller of strife from being summoned and uh. The way to do that is to go to the stronghold of the cult, which is on Mesa Island. Um, well, basically, they don't know what to do. They're like, oh, we'll go here because of like there's some kind of rumor of powerful magic or something, right? I, I can't remember. Yeah. I just remember that they have to go to Mesa Island for some reason. Because that's where like the... I guess the final confrontation is supposed to be because that's where, like, the cult is the strongest. So there's, like, that's where they're going to be or whatever. And like, I think the plan is to figure it out on the way. They just know they have to get there. Yeah, this is where the uh, story gets kind of weak. Like this part right here, it's like the weakest part. And uh, yeah, so like you find a way, like you find a way. I guess you get the the pirate ship, right? Yeah. At this point, and uh, so like surprise, like oh before. So you get this this undead coin you work to get, uh, you give away to a random fucking dude, like an undead dude that rose a, like rose a raft or something. Yeah. And you need him to get to the uh, to, to a witch's place, so that you can get some flame thing I think to actually open the door to to confront the dweller of uh, woe earlier and shit. It's like a whole convoluted thing to get into to actually fight the dweller. But in the process, you lose this undead coin. Which Sarai was going to use to barter for the boat. So instead, you have to go onto the boat at the right time that it like shows up in this world, and then get teleported to the like ghost demon world that the boat is actually in. Because there's a whole like backstory with this boat, this ghost boat. And uh, you go in there and you free the ghost boat from the curse that it's in. So then you have like this boat that you're able to travel in, and uh, you sail it to Mesa Island, um, but there's a protective shield around the island, so you actually can't get on there. Uh, and so instead, your party journeys to this uh, tower that's submerged in the ocean. And inside, it's you find out that it's actually a home of an alchemist named Rashan, who we said is also like the who was up to this point like doing like a narrative overview, I guess, of what's going on in the world. Which I was like. That was fucking weird because like it was acting like it was telling a story that was happening in the past. Yeah, but then it's like, oh, actually, it's happening right now. 
So I'm like, okay, what the fuck is the point of pretending like it was a story? Like, I don't. Yeah. And unless. I don't like, get that. Unless he's like, there's, you know, infinite universes in, in this story, I'm actually going to let them in the door. And I was like, I don't, but, but why? Right. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, they made it, they made it sound like he was trying to not influence the plot, but then he discovered he had to in order to make it right or something because i guess it's implied that multiple times they get there and they they get turned away so and they eventually figure out how to get to fight the the dweller strife or some shit but they don't have what they need to actually finish the job or something he says something like uh in the previous times the they this is where their journey ends they can't figure out how to beat the dweller and the world eater is born blah 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 but in this story the door opens and they open the door and it's him <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> i'm like why didn't you just do that the first time then why are you telling me this whole like story right like and then like i don't know it just felt like deuces mocking us shit like like they couldn't figure out a way to explain it so they just did it like this you know what i mean like there wasn't a better way it's, it's it was him's his whims this time it's like all right we'll just open the door okay that's uh, whatever. But then we were playing this. So, then we're playing this game of like, he can't help directly, but he can still help. And I'm like, well, just arbitrarily, like there's the, these rules we have, but they don't explain the rules. And that's like that's the fucking frustrating thing for me because then they can make up anything they want. I'm guessing it's like one of those things where he's like, all right, well, I can't help directly, but I'll see how much I can not help until I have to help. Yeah. So that's why all the parallel universes get fucked until he's like, "All right, I guess I have to open the door. Maybe that'll change things." And he has to be involved. I guess if if that failed, he'd be like, "All right, I have to open the door and then do something else," because they got closer this time, kind of thing. Which seems fucking stupid, but whatever. <laughs> because he's like the whole time he's like, "I can't help you fight the dwellers and shit," because that would be like that would go against whatever the fuck like reason he's got to not help even though like the fleshmancer is like literally directly helping to destroy shit yeah so i don't understand how that would interfere with anything for rashan to stop him because he's like you go like you find out that like he's like direct he's pretty much made the solstice warriors he's the eagle he makes it so that the Solstice Warriors are able to fight the Dwellers and shit with, like, Eclipse magic. And, like, he's the reason there's a chance to fight against the Fleshmancer anyway. But, like, I don't understand why he has a problem being more direct with what he's doing. I guess... I, but whatever. Well, from what I can piece together or, like, understand... Like, what I figured out in my head is that he... Him and the Fleshmancer, like... They they fought each other to a stalemate, and like the only way to go forward is to let things play out with their influence. Because every time, all, all the other times, the they just the universe ends, so they have to rebuild it or something. Well, yeah, but every other universe is they lose. He loses. Rashawn loses because the world leaders come and destroy everything. Yeah. So, what the, like? Why wouldn't you? If you've done something a million times, like, like that's the definition of insanity, right? Like doing the same shit over and over again and expecting a different result. Like he literally fucks off and does the same shit and expects it to maybe work out this time. 
until he actually like opens the fucking door. Like he actually does something, right. and then he gets a different result. So, like whatever. Like because even when you're like you're fighting with him later on, he's like, oh yeah, I can't help you because reasons. When you're fighting dwellers and shit, it's like okay, that's a. I don't understand. Like, is he strong enough to just to destroy the fucking dwellers? I don't. But he's like, you have to do this yourself. Well, he says whatever. He says, "I'm only as strong as you are." That's the only way you can help. So he like. Well, the, he, like, well, he limits his powers. Yeah, he nerfs himself, so he only, he's only as strong as your your characters are. Like, I guess what he's going for is he wants uh, Valerie and Zale to get stronger on their own to become like right. the guardian gods or whatever. Yeah, he wants them to. But they don't really explain that. I think that's what it, I think that's what they're trying to accomplish. Like, he can't if he helps them, they can't ascend, so they have to do it on their own. But it's just a comp. They make it so convoluted; it, it makes it like annoying what happens. <laughs> right, he's there helping, but then he's just like, "I can't help now." Like, what the fuck's the difference? Like, you just helped me kill a bunch of monsters all the way up this fucking mountain. Yeah. Like, I couldn't have done that by myself without you here, I guess. Like, you, you could have just <laughs> stayed in your fucking tower and been like, hey, all right, you guys need to go here and do something there. Good luck. It would have had the same results. But, but he, yeah, anyway. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just to say that, like, you get, yeah, you get into this fucking tower, you meet this dude, and, like, you have to find him. You help him find his magical hourglass thing, and then you get, he helps you get this, like, a. Uh, Solstice armlet thing that lets you control the time of day all the time. Um, and like you learn that they made this elixir of life, which gives them all, uh, like him and his flesh metric buddy, like eternal life and immortality. And uh, for some reason, they, they were like him and the flesh mancer were cool. Like they were both like good people. But then at some point, the flesh mancer, I guess, got misanthropic and he decided to destroy life because he couldn't die or something he got pissed off uh but the whole time he's also like being a dickhead like he uh like there's these like uh animal creatures i guess bird creatures that can turn into like like bird form and he like steals their magic and shit from them and gives it to Rashawn. and he like he frames it as like it's a magic he learned how to do and he's like teaching him how to do it but he's actually like fucking stolen shit from these other like creatures and made it so that they can't do this anymore and shit. So I don't know. Like I don't. The game I guess was trying to say like at one point he was good, but it felt like he was always a fucking asshole. Yeah, he's always like so... good because he was, he was like Rashan's apprentice, and until he could get enough power, he was just like, um, uh, like telling what he wants to hear type thing. So. The, the 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 other part like that frustrated me is but when you get that relic that you can control like the sun and the moon at all times, like why did that thing get like sealed away? Like why didn't they just always have that if they're solstice warriors? Like who, what was the point of that? I can't help you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> because there's like parts where like stuff happens where they're like oh yeah solstice warriors were here before. But they and they left stuff here for future Solstice Warriors, but they I guess they weren't strong enough to like take care of shit or something. And it's like, okay, why doesn't anybody know about this? Yeah, like you had to find out through random NPCs and shit, like, oh yeah, Solstice Warriors are here once, 
But like no, Moraine and shit, like Erlena and Brewgraves, did they know about this stuff? Like, what the fuck? You think this stuff would be recorded somewhere? Like, hey, there's like this thing that's super fucking strong for Solstice Warriors that lets you control like the time of day at any point, and then also like this also like accessory relic thing that lets you do whatever the fuck else here. And it's like, all right, why don't people know about this? Like, they could have fought the Dwellers at any time then if they had that stupid relic. Like, that's... Right. Like, even before they even got stronger. Like, you don't need an Eclipse. You can just fucking do this shit. But, um... So, yeah, we're we're, uh, we're finding all the plot holes. <laughs> yeah, so, uh... Yeah, like, eventually, like, you get Rashawn to agree to come with you to kind of, I guess, help guide you through, like, fighting the Dweller of Strife. But he's like, I can't help you fight the actual Dweller of Strife because that shit would happen. So your party gets there, and um, they're able to, like, uh, weaken the Dweller of Strife enough. Like, it has a shield on it that you're able to get rid of, and your party starts fighting it. Uh, But you're not strong enough, and uh, when your party is almost defeated, Sarai takes... Uh, Rashan's like a uh, time hourglass thing and throws it at the dweller of strife but that uh the repercussions for that is that it brings the attention of the fleshmancer to this this particular parallel universe or this world and yeah this world whatever and uh the alchemist like the fleshmancer shows up and so does his uh, acolytes and Brookgraves and Erlina. And uh, the like Rashawn and him stop time and they talk about it and they're like, oh, you know, you agreed not to interfere with what I'm doing and shit and like destroying the world and stuff. And then they get into an like, argument about it. And uh, Rashawn's like, all right, I'll, I'm just going to let you do whatever the fuck you want. And so they like, time comes back to normal and. Uh, the Fleshmancer like fires like this magic at uh, Valer and Zale, but uh, Garl jumps on the way and takes the hit. And uh, like I think Valer and Zale would have been fine. I don't fucking know, but if... <laughs> I feel like that Garl didn't have to do that. But what do I know? But it would so he uh, wouldn't have been sad dying. And... I guess. Well, like because they're like you don't you don't have magic, girl. You shouldn't have done that. We might have been fine because we have magic and shit. So I'm like, yeah, why the fuck? What, what, but whatever. Uh, well, I, well, I get it because they want to make Zar, like Garl have this like whole hero moment, which was, I, I mean, that was pretty decent. Because he is, I guess, it's also another reason why I fucking hated this dude. He's like, he's like the guy that can, you know, he's the uh, the one that can talk to people. He's like social. The other two are really uh, like antisocial. So it makes like after he dies, the, the game kind of like, uh, kind of loses like. It's charm a little bit, to, for me. Because they killed the only developed character they had. <laughs> and then, then uh, Rashawn, who was the other interesting character, becomes a puppet. I'm like, what the fuck? Right, and he doesn't talk anymore. So then he's left with fucking, like, uh, Sarai, who does more talking, but still is not, like, as personable as, like, Garland shit was. Yeah, she's definitely... But... Uh, yeah, so, like, Garl gets fucked up. The Flesh Manager's like, alright, I'm just gonna leave now. Instead of, like, finishing the job and shit. And so he just fucking leaves. Uh, but Rashawn is able to, like, do this, like, temporary, like, stasis thing on Garl, I guess. And it keeps him alive as long as he's got something to do. 
so uh, they use this to like set up uh, Valer and Zael and the rest of the party to like uh, be able to fight the Fleshmancer, I guess, in a, a, another dimension, because Sarai is like, we have to cross worlds, or somebody tells them they have to cross worlds in order to pursue the Fleshmancer, because he's in another... It's got to be a Sarai, because that's where... Parallel world or some shit. What's that? I think it is Sarai, because that's where she came from. That's the whole reason she came. Right. She's like, I know how to like stop him or some bullshit, but we have to go do the special shit. So like you you like go meet these sky giants and they you have to get permission from them to like open this fucking portal between worlds. To the which, stars. Yeah, to to Sarai's world, for some reason that's where the Flesh Mansion's base is. Which so this was a thing that confused the fuck out of me. How the fuck did Sarai get here? Like I never fucking figured that shit out. Like she's got teleporting powers, but I thought she had to like have either been where she is going to teleport before because they don't really explain this she just but then why does she need the boat to teleport back to her home world does she normally just go back and forth does she know that she needed the boat to get the solstice warriors there because there's no solstice warriors were in her planet or in her world anymore and i'm like i don't fucking get this shit like this shit just came out of the fucking left field for me where like sarai came from another dimension and she's also a robot and 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 whatever <laughs> fucking, fucking half, fucking half human, half robot, or whatever the fuck, cyborg shit. And but also like has, uh, like teleportation powers. But nobody else in her planet that's also cyborg has teleportation powers. Maybe they didn't explain. They didn't uh, explain her that yeah. well. Yes, they don't explain how she got there. Like, and I'm confused. Yeah, if, like this, the her world is like the same world. And it just uh, went to shit because there used to be Solstice Warriors, and it's like another dimension, or is it a different world in the same universe? Like it's kind of right. Like I was confused because like it felt like some worlds the Fleshmancer lets Solstice Warriors live, or Rashawn like makes Solstice Warriors, but then like some worlds none of that shit happens, so the Fleshmancer just fucking dominates. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like I don't. They didn't really explain why. That place got fucked up, but it's just it got it was more technologically advanced, and then they got fucked up by the Fleshmancer or something. So it's like okay, because he wanted because that's his whim, I guess. Yeah, like uh, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. So you guys figure out how to teleport to Sarai's world, and it's like a techn technologically advanced planet. And Sarai's like, yeah, this is where I'm from. There's like this creature robot thing that's taken the entire populace of the planet and turned them in, like taking their souls and then turned them into like cyborgs. And then there's like this other race of people who used to be like sing, like song magickers. And they've all been like their bodies are gone, but their souls still exist. And then there's like eagle people or bird people who like own a certain continent or whatever. That's also special because there was a giant robot battery thing that was made there. And uh, I can't remember who made the giant robot battery thing, but like there's a fail safe. Oh, it's a song people. There's a fail safe that like uses kinetic energy to power the railway systems or something that lets them go into the sky to destroy the thing that makes that made Sarai's people into cyborgs and shit. Uh, there's like yeah, there's a whole bunch of shit just happening here, and then like your party, 
I think he has to go back. I don't know if it's optional, but he has to go back to the original world and like get something there. I think maybe, and then come back to this world so you can actually fight uh, the Fleshmancer. I can't remember. Like it's been a while, and I haven't got I haven't gotten to this part of the game <laughs> again recently. But uh, yeah, you end up busting into the F- Fleshmancer's um, lair, and like you learn that Erlena has been transformed into this demonic thing uh which is his lieutenant and he's like you if you want to actually be my lieutenant you have to kill these socialist warriors but you guys your party wins uh but then after you win Rashawn and the fleshmancer like have a conversation and he's like all right i lost here i guess i'll go back i'll go to another parallel world or whatever and just fucking continue dominating there i guess well he says something like uh, he says like uh well there's a world eater coming so i'm not, i'm leaving this world anyways and then that's when uh zale and valerie like oh yeah we're we're god like they basically ascend after that point and you it turns into a rail shooter i thought that was weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a shoot him up or whatever dude i, I was like all right cool I got so mad because like uh, when I, that was the first time you f- you beat the game, it's not that bad. But when you fight the Fleshmaster and it goes to a rail shooter, I was like, "What the fuck happened?" And like I wasn't like ready for it, and I got like killed real quick. And I was like, "Fuck!" And so you have to fight the Fleshmaster all over again. I'm like, "God damn, this fight's taking forever." I know that I never die there, but that sucks that you can die. You don't die. You just like go back to the fight. You have to keep fighting it. Oh, okay, okay. So basically, I had to take his health all the way down again. It's bullshit. Fun. All right. Yeah, I thought it was like it was a weird fucking. I don't know. I don't call it a cop out, but it was like a weird, con- con- convenient coincidence that there's a world leader coming for no fucking reason. <laughs> like, okay, what the fuck? I guess they just needed like a big bad thing for you to kill at the end. I don't get it. Uh, because like there was nothing hinting at this thing coming. Well, maybe it's and then always... your just like turn into gods, and then maybe it's always coming, and that's what uh, Rashan is like has to make them ascend or try to get. St- if they don't ascend, then the the world ends. So that's why he's trying to influence them. Uh, well, right, but it's it's only Sarai's world, which already is fucked up, right? So, or is it? Oh, I guess it is her world. I don't know. So, like, they save that world, and then, like, they stop the world leader, and then they fly around and, like, I guess stop other world leaders. But I don't see why they couldn't also just destroy all the dwellers around and shit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it becomes this weird, like, thing where it's a never-ending fight with these two having to preemptively stop the Fleshmancer's, like, infinite world team of world leaders coming to destroy everything. And I don't know that I like that. Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like there's an ending uh, so much. Like, they, they save their one world that they're, they're from, but then, like, they fight forever. Yeah. Like, they get no rest. Uh, but they, they visit, I guess, uh, their, their home world every year on Garl's birthday after you revive him. Uh, well, the original ending they visit every year, and nobody knows why it's on that specific day. But then, like when girls alive, because you can you can do post game content, which is like a bunch of side quests, 
to activate this device that Rashawn uh, left b behind. It's like a a time thing. An anchor uh, in time or something like that. Right, and like for some reason he had an anchor in time at the time that girl was about to get killed he or blasted. That's what that's what they said. What's that? He put he it, placed it. Yeah, he put it there when uh, he stopped time. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then so you get the one of the song people as a party member, and he's got like a body made of glass, living glass, living glass, which was like Rashawn's ultimate like goal, I think, to make or something. Yeah, he, like his ultimate a, project or something. He's all into transmutations and alchemy and shit. So uh, that's how they became like gods because they master all that shit. But he didn't master living glass, and the only way to to get living glass the ingredient he was missing was unbreakable will or something like that and that's what that ghost guy had or i guess he's a spirit um what was his name right and he's at the he has to keep up the will to keep the form or something yeah. it's like bist or something yeah and if he loses his weird fucking name basically dies so right uh yeah so they somehow turn this like they make this glass thing impersonate girl which i don't know how the fuck they get away with that uh, but <laughs> so they bury this guy and then you go dig him up. And so you get girl back, you get this back. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. So the, it changes the ending because girl shows up and instead of like fighting, uh, early demon form, uh, he's like, he starts shit talking to Fleshmancer and pisses him off. So you fight the Fleshmancer instead of, uh, early demon form thing. Um, and they force him to retreat and, and uh, Erlina and Brewgraves, like, I guess, meet up in a demon world and they're, I guess, happy together or whatever. But Valer Valerie and Zale still ascend to guardian gods. And then, like, once a year, they come back to meet Garl on his birthday. But I don't think they actually, like, hang out. They just fly by. No, they they came and they hugged it at the end. Oh, they did? Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh. Yeah, that's the ending. <laughs> the thing that's annoying is, like, the same, it's like the same ending because it's just that Garl kicks the flesh or the fleshmaster out. Like he punches him out of the <laughs> into his own portal, and Rashan like grabs him. <clears throat> and it's like I don't understand what all this was about. Like so, it's just kicking the fleshmaster out of this world, but he's still in other worlds. It's like you don't feel like you made a difference in like the grand scheme of things. Well, right, because if you know about the messenger too, you know ultimately they failed because the demons overrun the world anyway. So it's kind of, or is that? I guess it's like, or is that an alternate universe one, dude? I don't. It's it, they've got this, the altar. So at the end of the game, like alt, um, like I said, Teeks, uh, the uh, God damn it, the robot guy, the artificer, yeah, and girl. If you you have them, <laughs> if you revive them, like they make this altar with the sun and the moon on it. And that's in the messenger. So that I would assume that would be specific to this world, because that's where Garl, Teeks, and the Artificer are. Not any of the other parallel worlds. Unless there's also a parallel world with the same exact fucking people doing the same shit. But then, because v Valerie and Zale are flying around, all these different parallel worlds presumably saving them, I don't imagine that's a thing that happened. Like, So this is the only world where they were su successful, I guess. And they just I weren't able to save all the worlds, and then they got old or something, and they lost their powers because they stopped protecting the world, and according to the messenger, because <laughs> it got overrun with demons. I don't. 
Or they just got tired of trying yeah. to the world all the time and it's the retirement. Maybe. Like, because they spend fucking millennia doing the same shit day in and day out. Like, no breaks or whatever. I guess anybody would be tired of that shit. But. Uh, yeah, so thoughts. Uh, Kevin and I have been kind of uh, saying a bunch of shit while we've been doing this. So, what do you think, Kyle? How do you feel about the story? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> you guys went over it pretty deeply there. I, I think the story, it's. I don't know. It's par for the course. It's an indie game. I wasn't expecting anything like absolutely crazy. I think the big thing um, story wise, if you're going to enjoy this game in any way or just absolutely hate it is you just have to figure out what your relationship with Garl is going to be. I think he kind of like drives a lot of the game. I enjoyed Garl's character. I know it was a little campy or cheesy or whatever, but I thought it worked like i don't think this game was trying to be very serious or deep or anything along those lines i mean at one point sarai or calls herself captain cliche i mean it's not supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be super deep in any way shape or form see so, yeah, i liked it um thought the towns and the settings were pretty good um i guess really overall yeah i just i don't I don't think they did anything absolutely out of control. I don't think there was a whole lot that um, really jumped off the page or anything like that. Uh, Garl kind of having the losing his life as a ticking clock, I thought helped in the end. I thought the villains were pretty terrible, um, to be honest with you. Boo Graves and Erlena were really lame, and the Fleshmancer was as well. Um, so overall, you know, I'm I'm gonna give this one a two out of five for the oh, story. Wow. It it just wasn't that good. I think it was a little worse off than um, than average, and just didn't uh, didn't really add a whole lot. But it wasn't it wasn't terrible. I thought the characters at least were okay. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Uh, what about you, Ken? Uh, I liked it more than that. That's for sure. Uh, I liked the concepts, but not the execution. I think is what. Uh, my problem with the game or the story was like I think it's interesting like the multiple universe and there's two like people that transcended that and that whole kind of thing was interesting but the story of this game was kind of more basic and Garl was like to me the driving part of this game for the until he died and then kind of tapered off when he was gone and you're trying to beat you know finish off the Fleshmaster I guess but um the characters like yeah there's some interesting characters and stuff like that but they don't go into as much detail as i think they could have uh some of the characters that they could have done better on um and like the whole rashan thing was annoying because it's just it's very confusing what he is and what he's trying to do and why and you know his whole involvement in the story kind of, I don't know, just puts a whole, like, throws a whole wrench into this thing, and it's like, throws off the flow of the game to me. And, uh, but the overall mythos, I think, is cool. So it's, it's kind of, uh, conflicting in my head. So, uh, I did like it. Uh, it got like I said in the beginning. It's pretty boring. It's really really basic in the morning, but in the in the in the beginning. Um, but once you get to the part where you get the 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 uh, pirates and everything, it kind of picks up from there. Um, so 
I liked it, but yeah, it's not the greatest. Uh, it could have had some more of the, its concepts uh, or ideas fleshed out <clears throat> um, or explained better. Um, but, uh, but I enjoyed it. So to me, the story is like a three, three and a half. Cause I did like some of the characters. That's fair. Uh, personally, I, I'm the opposite of you guys. I hate a girl. <laughs> so I think he dominated everything and he was too good. I think I, he had, there was nothing realistic about him, like in response to things. Like he felt like a fucking golden retriever or something in regards to like Valerie and Zale, where they could do no wrong. Uh, like even when he lost his eye, like there's no, they're like, oh, well, you know, he's the kind of person that'd be like, laugh it off. I'm like, that's fucking, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, uh, like PTSD inducing. And he's just, just like, oh yeah, I lost my fucking eye. Whoop de doo. Like, all right, dude. All right, whatever. And, uh, like, every time he'd met people, uh, like, the, the main character's just standing off to the side while <laughs> he's having full-blown conversations with people and shit. Yeah. Like, it, it was fucking off, I guess it was off-putting. I don't know how to describe, like, my distaste for him just dominating everything. And when he died, uh, like, even, like, the game felt more like it was a game about Garl than anything else. Yeah. And then it was a game about Rashawn and the Fleshmancers. Right. And, like, it didn't feel like the main characters were part of the story, I guess. They were just a tool to solve the Dweller problem, right. I guess. And They should have uh, gave some of that characterization that they gave Garl to Zale and Valerie. Besides, like, them loving him and being their best friend. That's, like, that's their whole... Character. Right, it's like, like they love Garl. Yeah, anytime there's like something going on, it's there'd be characters. The characters talking about how much they miss Garl and shit. Like, thrive. Like, oh yeah, we loved him. He was a, our best friend and shit. And like, I don't even know anything about you people. <laughs> Garl would have really loved that. Yeah, like what the fuck? Uh, and like they felt like the same person almost. Like yeah, yeah. they just liked doing their magic and liked their particular way of fighting. That was the only thing different about him. Like, Valerie was, like, the strong one, and Zale was the magical, more leaning one, or whatever. I'm like, okay. Like, they were were interchangeable with the way that they reacted to shit, I think. They literally were interchangeable, because you get to change the main character anytime you want. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. It just, that was the weakest point for me. I thought, like you you said, the lore overall was interesting. Uh, It was very confusing though with like the parallel worlds and shit and like how meaningless everything was um i don't know if if i would have preferred more of like going i guess more going more in depth with like uh rashawn and the fleshmancers like war i guess or like pot because that at least was interesting and they had some character at least more character than valerie and zale uh uh I don't know. It was weird. Like, I get what they were kind of going for or whatever, but I don't think they executed it very well. Um, and I, I felt like the story improved when Garl died and they just stopped talking about him for a, lot, for a while. Because <laughs> it, it allowed the other characters to have a moment to at least pretend to like they were doing something for themselves or whatever and, like, talk about shit. And they weren't overpowered by Garl's presence. 
but even then it wasn't like great it was just like stuff to get the story like moving along um and so overall i'm going with like a two out of five uh i think it's definitely the weakest part of the game for me yeah, i agree uh and that will lead us into musical break number two i believe this is kevin's pick or is this uh kyle's pick that's mine okay uh it's uh duplicitous wrath uh part one which is the i think it's the either the flesh master fight or the 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 last fight in the game uh battle music
Alrighty, pretty good track. And uh, now we're going to talk about visuals. Um, Kevin, how about you take over visuals first, since you haven't talked about something yet, I guess, really, first. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's uh, pixel 3, like, I guess it's 3D isometric kind of thing. Um, when you're in the the you know the dungeons and the towns and everything like that it's kind of if you played chrono trigger uh the characters kind of look at that but more high res more uh you know it's not uh i guess it'd be more playstation ish i mean it's high def so it's high def uh pixel but it's in the vein of like a playstation or super nintendo kind of character sprites does that make sense can you guys say it better than that? Um, well, yeah, it's like, what, 60, is that, it's 32-bit? 32-bit, I'd say, yeah. I don't know, but... Uh, 32-bit, but, like, smoothed over. It's not so pixely. It's not pixely, I guess. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, pretty... The characters are all unique-looking. Uh, they all have, like, unique character sprites, uh they're all kind of colorful the animations are all kind of cool uh the uh the overworld map um is uh definitely well drawn and looks cool and they're all unique and um i don't know i think it's uh pretty decent overall um uh yeah i don't have <laughs> much that i can say about that um, I think it's really good. Uh, there's nothing I didn't think looked bad or, uh, took away from the game. So I think it's, uh, pretty hot. Like I would give it a high grade, like a four out of five. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, uh, um, aside from music, it's probably the best part of the game. It has a lot of... Uh, like vibrant uh, and detailed like art everywhere the character sprites uh, are very smooth and each character like has like a, a very unique way of like behaving like like in combat with their uh, an animations and stuff like that uh, I thought most of the like boss design was fucking great to look at uh, like the dwellers and stuff look pretty fucked up uh, which I always appreciate like I like fucked up stuff um yeah i mean kind of what you said like everything overall was pretty good uh nothing like there was a couple different distinct uh like i guess designs like when you're on the, the world map like you're tiny like they used to do in games which is pretty cool i guess like, they did a chrono trigger yeah um the only th I think, yeah i mean i think uh I, like i guess the, to compare like live a live we gave a five i think i those graphics are like a lot sharper like this is kind of a little bit more watercolory, maybe or not. Like I don't know, it's not as high de definition. Uh, I think that's the. I kind of see what you mean. Like this is this this pops more, but it's more like kitty looking. Yeah, and like live a live is like super sharp and, uh, like the lot like high detail lines and all that kind of stuff. Like they really put a lot of work in that game, which they probably they had more money to do that. So I get it. For what yeah, they, I was gonna say that's probably a big aspect of it. Yeah, 
So well, it's also like half two D, half three D, right? And this one's all just two D, essentially. Yeah. So this is all two D. So, um, but yeah, it looks it, it's all unique and looks really very good. Yeah, I can't. There's not really anything I could find fault with. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a lack of enemy variety or something like that. But well, uh, that's kind of whatever. Maybe that be the thing. <laughs> like, What's that? Lack of moves, like different. Oh yeah, that moves. They just... <laughs> well, that's more like a, a gameplay failing though to me. Like because the moves that they did, they were all like animated great. They all looked unique. Yeah. Uh, like there's. I feel like there's more combo moves than anything else, like the character-specific moves. But maybe I'm mistaken, but... Besides bosses, though. Right. Like, it's hard to use a lot of stuff. Uh, like, even, like, the ultimate attacks, I don't I think I ever used in fucking, like, regular combat. So, yeah. I... And there's some that I didn't use at all, so I don't have no idea what their ultimate attack looks like. Uh, I'm sure there are some that are better than others, but... Like, fuck, what's Garl's old attack? I never used him. He rides on on the dragon and, like, fucking yep. tears shit up. It's pretty, oh, okay, okay. Pretty good. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that. That's... I'm sure that looks great. <laughs> yeah, all the ultimate attacks are fucking badass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna give it a four and a, four and a half out of five, I think. Because I don't really find any fault with it. Uh, but it's... I don't know, I'm sure it's something that could be approved. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about it? Right, um, I'm with you guys. I I loved the visuals for this game. Um, I thought it looked really great. Character designs are well done. I thought the backgrounds um actually had a lot of detail and were really crisp. It's kind of funny if you're um in some of the early areas in the game. I think the Moorlands in particular, or, uh, whatever the Sky Island is, you can actually see in the background like the the ground level of the world and there's a lot more detail than you would expect uh on that level so like there was a lot of a lot of things here that were better than i thought they would be especially because this was a kickstarted game like not a big studio game um i think the abilities tax combos all looked great i'd say my only thing that i could say negatively about this would be that some of the enemy sprites weren't fantastic um the bosses were amazing don't get me wrong but some of the normal common enemies were pretty blah um day and night cycles worked perfectly in a game that needed that to work very well so i think that was nice thought all the towns uh, felt distinct and developed um though i will say that some of the later towns in the second half of the game um on the uh this alternative planet uh or the alternative timeline they felt a little squished like I would say especially Rapine in general just didn't feel like a fully fleshed out city. Um, but otherwise, visually for the game, I uh, thought it was fantastic. I'm going to give this one a four and a half out of five as well. Rapine's like the the tech place where there's like four houses, right? Yes. They're all like yeah. robots. All the robots are there, or androids, and they all like hate life. Like this yeah. is the 2300 AD level Rhino Trigger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd hate life too if I was a fucking husk of my former self. Yeah. So pretty good scores, but I think uh, music slash voice acting is going to score even higher. Because um, I'll say it right now, it's getting five for me. But uh, the composer for this is Eric W. Brown. Uh, he's also, I guess, previously known as uh, Rainbow Dragon Eyes. I think he might have just dropped that moniker and is going by his actual name now, but 
Uh, there's also Yasunori Mitsuda, who I feel like, like I know where he's like he's composed for before, but I don't really follow him. So what has he done? Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Okay, there we go. <laughs> shit, y'all said multiple times. I guess I just fucking blocked that shit out. What is a uh, what songs did he do or what what tracks did he do in this one? Oh, um, so I can answer this if you want me to go ahead with it real oh, quick. Yeah. I don't have all of them. Um, a few of them that I can name off uh, are ones that um, boy. Okay, so it's a five-hour OST. You're just gonna have to find um the names yourself. Uh, there's a lot of tracks on there, but um. Most of the ones that have to do with the dwellers, uh, the town of mirth as well, and the necromancer's lair. However, um, uh, Mitsuda did help um, Eric Brown with every track on the entire OST. So it's just that the 10 songs were originals and the entire track itself was at least helped by Mitsuda. That makes sense then. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Vincent Jones here. Do you have any idea what he did? I he put is? that on. It was just part of what I saw on the uh, OST composer list. Like it's not actually on there, so just ignore that, I suppose. <laughs> uh, maybe he helped out with like some sound design or something. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I don't think I've played a game that had like a day and night cycle where the music changed during day and nights, and it, it flowed so naturally. That I don't like. I don't know how to else to describe it, but it was just smooth as fucking like butter or something. Like going, like being in an area and then like going from like the because the time moves kind of slowly naturally, but you can also like make it move. But like the music going from like daytime to nighttime, uh, and it's not every song in the game that has like a nighttime version, but uh, just like the way that they were able to handle that, like programming wise or whatever the fuck they did, somebody, somebody somewhere did some fucking magic because. It was amazing. I didn't even know that. I had one happened. more thing to that real quick, actually. So if you guys didn't know, if you go to the, the pirates um, that play the jukebox, there's actually a third entire track that's bardcore style that does tavern music for every track. So this OST has three versions that are all different. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I didn't really listen to the like the bard shit or whatever, because I was like, all right, I don't... There's no point in my life right now where I would sit in a game and, like, load up songs. Because <laughs> I could just go to fucking YouTube, right? So I didn't, I didn't use that very much or at all, but that's pretty cool to know. Yeah. But Damn. I, I didn't even know that the songs changed at night, because I'm not that good at listening to music. <laughs> yeah, like, the nighttime stuff, I think, has more, like, chimes and stuff to it. Uh, where the the daytime stuff has, I think more pan flute, right? Uh, it's, so it just gives it a more like oh it's nighttime kind of vibe, which is it's not that big a deal, but it's noticeable because it's mainly noticeable because they like I think the soundtrack's like five fucking hours long, but they have like disc one is solstice and then this two is like moonlight or something I don't know, but the this two is like all of the songs with their night versions which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, the music is phenomenal. I There are a bunch of tracks here, which I thought were great. Like even like normal, just fucking like walking through like the waterfall area at the beginning of the game. Uh, that song's fucking great. The town music's great. Battle music, 
phenomenal. A lot of the boss music is fucking amazing. Uh, it's been a very long time since I added like tracks from a video game to like my playlist. And I've added a whole lot of fucking songs from this game on my playlist. So to me, that's a hallmark of a fucking masterpiece soundtrack. And that's why I'm giving it a 5 out of 5. I don't think there was voice acting. Was there? No. No. Okay, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm rating, so... Yeah. Uh, that, like, for general sound design, like, uh, sound effects and stuff are cool. Nothing really jarring. Nothing, like, bad. Whatever. Yep, but the music itself, fucking fantastic. Uh, Kyle, I guess you got a lot to say about it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not even going to consider, like, any of the sound effects in this game. This just gets a 5 out of 5 because the music is that good. Uh, literally, like we said, there's day version, night version, and people playing in a tavern version of darn near every song in the game. Mitsuda with 10 originals. Like, this is, it's, everything is good. The battle theme alone is, like, good enough to give this game a 4 out of 5, and, like, that's just one of a lot of tracks um every town has a great great theme um some you know like crazy stuff that um looking into what i found that i was going to mention later on but i'll just mention it now um there's even a part uh one of the songs that's in the game um that takes uh the line like the the main line from the good and the bad and the ugly um it's the one i'm going to pick later across the more lands like this game is so inspired by that like my childhood time frame that it even picks that song out and brings it in so like this is just so good just even if you don't play this game just listen to the ost it's it's great uh five out of five hundred percent cool kevin what do you think um, I'm not as high as it on, as you guys were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Figures. Uh, the uh, I think the beginning of the game, some of the songs like I didn't like. Um, I don't like. I think they did grow on me after a while. Uh, but I think because I like Live Live's soundtrack so much, maybe this wasn't. Uh, it was like I was comparing it to that. And the farther I got away from that, having played that game, the more I started to like the music. So maybe I was just being unfair. Um, but yeah, it's it's still really good. You know, some of the songs do get stuck in my head. Like that first, uh, when you first start the game, that little flute uh, part, you know, where you're going up the little mountain thing. Um but uh yeah it's it's good i just i'm not a five out of five i'm four out of five uh well you're wrong but that's fine so uh we'll keep moving on (laughs) i'm not not, not saying i'm not saying my opinion Uh, i I know i'm just fucking bust your chops dude live a live was like a five like to me like i like i said i'm not uh Music, I don't listen to it in my free time or anything like that. Like, uh, it's not a big deal to me. <clears throat> and a five out of five to me is when I actually do notice it. Like, I didn't live a live. Like, a lot of those tracks really popped for me. And this one, I didn't really have anything that like I was like, oh, that's the song I'm gonna play. So that's that's how I that's how I score it. So. <laughs> oh no, it's a, it's a very subjective experience for sure. Yeah. Uh... So, like I said, I'm just busting your jobs, man. It's all good. Uh, But that actually will bring us to musical break number three, uh, which is my pick. And it is the song is titled Crucible of Confirmation. 
Yeah, I think it's just one of the battle tracks, but uh, or uh, the boss battle tracks. But it, it sounds pretty. Uh, I guess like desolate and hopeless, and uh, I like the sound of it. So I hope you all like it too. Playability slash extra content slash trophies. Uh, oh, I guess I'll start this one off. Fuck it. Uh, replayability. Wait, do I, I do think that overall. Well, we swapped. We swapped it around, didn't we? Oh, sorry. So we're doing overall last now. I think everybody said that was probably better. I don't fucking know. We can do overall now if you want. I don't. No, it's <laughs> I was just reading the script. Oh. Yeah, somebody forgot to fix that, I think. Yeah, my bad. In the draft or whatever the fuck he uses. I'll update the, it's all good. I'll update the draft here and for this one. That's all good. Put a lot of work on, Kevin. Uh, he does a great job. <laughs> keeping all this shit going. Literally would not be a show without him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so replayability, extra content, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think there is some replayability in the game. Because uh, it does have New Game Plus. Again, a usual like my criteria for this stuff is does it like change the experience too much? I don't think so. Uh, you just become overpowered or whatever, and you kill shit really quick. Uh, you do get the Artful Gambit, uh, Artful Gambit relic pretty late in the game, and if you don't find it like as soon as it's available, it could change the way you play the game on New Game Plus because it does modify the combat quite a bit. Uh, but I don't think it like 
modifies it enough to justify like a full playthrough because nothing really changes. The story is still the same. Um, there is like a lot of extra post-game content you can do. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, to unlock like the true ending or whatever, where Garl lives and stuff like that. Uh, and you fight the Fleshmancer instead of Erlina. But uh, once you do that once, you've kind of seen it. And a lot of it felt like it was just stuff to pad timing out. Like uh, one of the quests is like you go meet this giant fish thing and it gives you like a golden ticket to the restaurant that girl wanted to always eat at and shit. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Uh, trophies weren't too bad. Uh, again, the Artful Gambit's tied into one. You have to kill 10 bosses with it, which if you missed it, you can just like either fight the fight Erlina 10 times or do a new game plus and fight a couple bosses and then like reload or like do another new game plus and fight some more or you keep playing and fight 10 bosses that way. Uh, whatever, not a big deal. What you? The only other one that... You said you you fought Orlena ten times. Yeah, maybe not the best call, but it's what I did. <laughs> that was so I, I, I think I got it uh, after the second boss. You can get it from, and I fought seven of the bosses because I was like, I'm not gonna do the last boss because I know that it's supposed to be super long, and I don't want to have to fuck with that for you know two hours. So I fought him normally, and then. I did New Game Plus, and I did the first three bosses, which was like a cakewalk. I just killed them real quick. Right. Then it only took like an hour or two to like run through that part of the game. So wasn't too yeah. Bad. There's still it wasn't too bad. No. Yeah, there's still there's a bunch of different routes you could take for that. Uh, and it was fun probably... using that uh, on some of those bosses, like those extra, you know. Side quest bosses, uh, they're pretty difficult, and figuring that out was definitely, uh, that was fun part. Well, there's some bullshit, because some bosses don't count for Artful Gambit. Yeah, that's weird, too. Yeah, yeah so you have to know which ones do, yeah, which is kind of shit, but... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't read that part, and then I fought that gun on Artful Gambit. I was like, shit. Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this one didn't count. That was a big waste of my fuck time. The All right. That was. I'm like, why? She was hard. Like, that was a fucking hard battle. Yeah. I felt, I felt proud of myself that I beat her. <laughs> it, did, uh, it did change the gameplay enough that it felt, I guess, rewarding to play it that way because you had to strategize a little bit more and stuff like that and actually, like, time your blocks. And so I don't know if I would have preferred the whole game that way and then, like, you unlock something that makes it easier or whatever, but... yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's a thing you can do. Like I said before, you can kind of modify everything to make it as easy or as hard as you want, depending on when you get the relics and if you get them or not. But uh, for me, I'm giving this section like a 1.5. I don't really like the section anyway. But <laughs> yeah, Kevin, how do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah, uh, replayability. I guess I would or extra content. Um... The being able to save Garl, I think, gives it a at least an extra point for me. So um, it does have new game plus, though. You get to keep everything. <clears throat> I don't think you get there's not anything extra you can get from that, but um, and the well, I think the only perk of new game plus, if you're really gonna do it that way, is you can double up on otherwise like single exclusive accessories and stuff, which are could be pretty strong, but again, you're already like max level essentially, so you, what the fuck you need him for anyway? I guess when you go fight the Fleshmaster, you could just destroy him easily, but I get, I mean, 
if you want to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. Uh, it's there's some value there. Someone give it to. Okay. How do you feel about it, Kyle? All right. Um. So I played this a second time for the show. Um, and I had a good time for it. Everything can be done in a single playthrough, but kind of like we said, uh, with the Artful Gambit, it's tough, so I did it on New Game Plus. There is a DLC that's coming out sometime this year, maybe. I couldn't tell you when it's supposed to, but there is one, as far as I understand. Um, it's supposed to be about the Clockwork Castle and the Watchmaker uh, Wheels Master on top of that, so I'll probably give that a go. Um, I know this is kind of a weird, uh, you know... Um, topic for all of us to replay uh, replayability extra content trophies i'm going to tie trophies into it i thought it was pretty easy to get a platinum on this one which is pretty rare for me um so that's going to bump my score up a little bit i'm going to give it a two and a half out of five and you know we'll see if the dlc is any good i guess when it comes out i don't, I don't remember hearing anything about dlc so that's cool good to know i wonder if it's going to be like a Five Nights at Sixteen thing where it's like, oh, you have to be on New Game Plus and shit to access it, or whatever. No idea. I think it's one of the goals, game maybe. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, but all right, we'll move on to overall experience. Uh, there we go with this. Like I say every time, overall experience for me is expectation versus reality. Uh, yeah, and then. It's kind of different for everybody. But, uh, uh, Kyle, you go first. How about this? Since you picked the game. All right. Um, I had a great time playing the game. Uh, this is pretty much what I was hoping for when it came out and when I heard about it. Um, if I had known about it on time, I would have kickstarted it, though I did not. I think it was a, a great homage to, you know, older Super Nintendo, Genesis, Nintendo RPGs. Um, I just like this sort of game. Like, Turn-based combat, decent exploration with a little bit of platforming, um, easy backtracking for collectibles, memorable mini-games, good music, good visuals, 20 to 40 hours of gameplay, and a little bit of end content. Like, that's that's my bread and butter. Um, I could play 100 games like this and really not get bored of them. So, so you know, this worked for me. Um, like I said earlier a couple of times, this is not Chrono Trigger. It's not on that level, but a lot of the things that gets game brings um, are, are pretty well done and better than many games I've seen um, that are trying to do this for a while. I'd say, like, really, this just kind of makes me want to boot up some older games again. Um, I started Xenogears again, you know, just like some playing just some older stuff feels good after playing this. I don't know why, but but I think it did exactly what it was trying to do when it came out and overall probably inflating it a little bit based on that, but I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. No man, it's how how it makes you feel overall, I'd say. So that that, that works for you. This so it's a good score for you. Uh Kevin, what do you feel about this? Uh, overall, uh, it was, I had a decent time playing this game, um, as we were talking about, er, like, in story, uh, we had some, me and you had some issues with, uh, some of the decisions they made with how the characters, uh, played out and how they developed them, so that kind of took away from some of the game for me, and the battle system kind of got stale because you only had like three moves you ever got so that um but 
uh, it's still a good game. Um, I think a lot of people will like it. Um, but I just, uh, it's kind of middle of the road for me, so I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Uh, I've actually run along there with you. I thought it was, okay, it's not like uh, my favorite game ever or anything like that. Um, but it's fine to play through. I'm glad it was as short as it was because I don't know if I could handle it being much longer. Yeah. Um, and I, I already kind of gave all my gripes with like the story and fucking girl and shit. But yeah, the <laughs> gameplay, it it needed more abilities, and it I think it needed to be tweaked so that you can use your abilities more often without feeling like I guess hamstrung and like requiring to fucking use food to heal your MP and shit or whatever. Uh, 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 yeah, I wasn't really, like, really hyped for the game, so I don't know. Like, I'm not disappointed from playing it, but I'm not like grateful I played it either. It's just kind of another experience that I had, and I think that's fine. I think they maybe yeah. they didn't have enough money to do what they really wanted to do, and I hope this does give them that. Because, like I said, they had some really good ideas. Maybe they couldn't flesh it out the way they wanted to or put everything in there the way they wanted to. Maybe they couldn't give them enough abilities to get everything they wanted into the game uh, on time. So maybe that's part of it. Um, well, I don't know, because like, they did pretty fucking hardcore on all the, like, the world design and area design and shit. So I can imagine it would be too much more difficult to have somebody animate a couple more moves or something. Yeah. Good point. But I don't know. I'm not a fucking game dev. What the hell do I know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, did I already say 3.5? Because 3.5. Not 5. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Uh, I guess that will move us on to musical break number four. Uh, this is Kyle's pick. Right. Uh, finish it up with Across the Moorlands. Uh, it is the theme from the area called Moorlands pretty early in the game. Um, notice the pan flute in it. I think that kind of works a lot in the daytime themes. Kind of just feels like the day is starting, right, for a fresh adventure. Um, mentioned before, I'm pretty positive that they used uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly theme as inspiration for this. And Western Jams have kind of been my thing for the last couple of choices. So, uh, so here you go, Across the Moorlands.
Alrighty. Uh, I think that about does it uh, here for us on the RPG show. Um, thanks for hanging out as long as you have, if you're still here listening. Uh, I think the next show we are doing is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, there's been some talk about doing a short game in between. I'm not really into that, but if Kevin does something and he wants to do like a solo show, more power to you, Kevin. And uh, if Kyle wants to join you, go for it. I'm good. I'm out. I'm good now. All right. So I guess we'll take a, a little brief hiatus before we start on Rebirth, because I think that comes out on the 29th. So probably actually won't be getting that personally until like, I don't know, the fucking 4th of February, because shipping sucks. Uh, but, I'm, uh, I'm a, a big fanboy, and I bought the physical and digital. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So you'll be starting early. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, it's, I'm assuming that's going to be another like fucking 90, 100 hour game. So yeah, it might be another good bit of time before the next episode, but we'll get it out when we can. They say it's open world, so it might be a lot of exploring to do. I really Shorter hope not. Shorter than Tactics Ogre Cross Fingers. <laughs> I imagine it will be. <laughs> uh well, uh, we do have a Discord, so come and join us in discussion anytime and anywhere, as long as you have the mobile app, uh, by clicking the link. I think that's in our little show notes thing here. Uh, we do also have an email, so you can feel free to email us at rpgshow.podcast at gmail.com. And let me see if we have any emails. Probably don't. Uh, um, you can also listen to our friends. Uh, Blaine and James on the Is It Worth It podcast. I think they're finally uh, kicked, picked that back up because Blaine's got his stuff uh, all together. So that'd be good. Yeah, it's pretty just, good. Uh, they just had one come out last week, I think. All right, cool. Did you listen to it? Uh, I listened to part of it. So, but I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Uh, have you guys done a video games movie episode lately, or is that still kind of on the back burner too? Uh, we're trying to get together to do the next Mario movie, or the newest Mario Brothers movie. So it should be coming soon. It's just we gotta coordinate uh, days to do it. It's just harder with my schedule and his schedule now. So right, that makes sense. It's usually the big uh, fucking uh, spanner in the works with getting people together for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we also have a Amazon uh, affiliate link thing, Jake, kind of. So click on that when you buy shit if you want to, to give us like a couple uh, pennies off of every purchase. But it's, hey, look, a couple less pennies to get to Bezos and his fucking mansion in, in Florida or whatever the fuck he's doing now. Yeah, help us pay for the website. Uh, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shit. But hey, it looks like we do have a email. Ooh. So, uh, this one is from... Oh, I, I guess I won't say his fucking email address, but it goes by Mick Panther, I suppose. Oh, a new person? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and the subject is possible filler episode topic. So, hey, we might have something to talk about. But, uh, they say, hello, RPG show crew. I was listening to a previous episode where the host, Nick, mentioned having walked into a gaming store once. And he's about to check out a game, and all of a sudden another customer walks in, about to trade in a Suikoden game. Nick sees it, cancels his purchase, and gives the customer 40 bucks, and walks out like a boss of a Suikoden game. 
felt, it definitely felt like a boss. Uh, and he says, that got me thinking. I would like to know your thoughts on buying games in-store versus online, uh, such as the benefits, difficulties, and any fun or interesting stories you have regarding video game purchase made this way. Uh, maybe this could be a further episode topic. That's definitely possible. I don't know that I have enough content for that, but you could probably, uh, probably get like get an hour or something. Well, you could probably out of it. answer a couple of those right now if we wanted to. I mean, that's fine with me. You got anything you want to say about it? Well, I just buy everything online. Like, I mean, even like GameStop, like buying online is better because you can buy all the used games from whatever stores have them, and they send it to you. <laughs> I don't like going in there either because it's like, I feel like the pressure to buy shit. I don't know. But from like the the customer service reps or whatever? Yeah, they're just like staring you down you're, you're in there. I'm like, I'm just trying to look and see if there's anything I don't have. But usually like, well, I think... if I'm going to buy a special edition or something, like if I'm going to buy a game, I'm going to buy the special edition just because I want the box art and box and stuff. Right. Uh, and GameStop don't have that shit. They just have basic old games and you have to buy well, i mean there's surely there's other like mom and pop like gaming stores i know they're very far, very far and few between now but i went to a disc replay the other day and i i bought a bunch of ps3 games for like five bucks a piece like dragon age and stuff that i didn't have okay because they got stolen like i like to have that kind of stuff where like games i are like my favorite games i want to have the physical version of but, um, I don't know, you go in there and it's just like, the disc replay type stores all have like, all the same junk games, you know? Like, all the Maddens and baseballs and shitty games that no one wants. And it's just like, any of the good games you don't really find. Unless it's right. like, the previous generation that has a shit ton of games still. So, I guess now is the time to buy PS3, because everything there is like 5-10 bucks for PS3. But it, it depends on where you are and I guess what kind of person you are. Because I think Blaine like will fucking go out of his way to go to like these kind of stores and seek out hidden gems and shit and yep. be like, oh look, I found this shit for five dollars and it's valued at like three hundred or some bullshit. You have to go to, like game and, like, conventions and shit and like uh, or uh, find them in yard sales or flea markets maybe. But even like the flea markets, those guys know the prices on eBay. So it's like, you won't, might as well just buy it on eBay. Right. So almost online is the, the best way to go. I mean, I've bought a lot of um, older games on eBay and had really good success with that. Like, I really haven't had one that didn't work. I think one time I had like a, I think it was a Green Lantern game I bought that didn't work. But it was only like ten bucks, so I didn't give a give a shit. Okay. Well, I think you have to be kind of aware of where you're shopping online too. If you go through like a, a a retailer that does not deal in used games, you're probably fine. But trying to shop online at like GameStop, I've had nothing but problems with them. Like I had a I bought a steelbook version of Far Cry Six, I think, like two years ago, and I finally got around to opening it, opening it because I was going through all my shit to like redeem all my codes before they with bad or whatever and i opened this fucking game and there's no disc and no like insert for codes or nothing and i'm like i just did i get ripped off of a hundred dollars the fucking GameStop. uh so yeah i'm never shopping at gamestop ever again 
Uh, also, like I pre-ordered stuff from them before, like uh, I think the Resident Evil 4 Remake Collector's Edition, and they just said, nah, fuck you, and canceled my order. So, you know, fuck those cons. Uh, yeah, so fuck GameStop. But uh, you have any stories you want to share or any uh, uh, comments you want to make, Kyle, about online versus in-store shopping? No, I mean, you know, if I go back when I was a kid, always in store, lots of good stuff, plenty of good stories then, but that would probably take an hour or so. Um, but for now, I buy pretty much everything online. Like, does it suck that I don't physically own it? Yes. Um, does returning stuff suck? Yeah, if you try to return stuff on PlayStation, like, I waited in the queue line for at least an hour and 40 minutes each time just so I could return Final Fantasy VII Remake pre-order or rebirth pre-order and get the special edition one because i bought the wrong version so like that just sucks i couldn't do that with a couple of clicks but but yeah now i do mostly online yeah the only good stories you have from when you're a kid like you go to gamestop or whatever electronics boutique or whatever it's called back then and you know you can remember when you bought like i bought suikoden one and two for like you know 15 bucks a piece you know, yep. used, you know, because no one before like widespread internet, no one knew what those games were. So I was like, holy shit, you know, and it was like the great find. You can't, oh, do that. I was a, I was an early 2000s mall rat for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that shit don't exist anymore. I don't even think the mall really exists anymore, you know? Right. We can't even like, because I used to like go into pawn shops and shit all the time and find rarities, uh, like that way, but I've, like I, the last couple of years, I've gone to pawn shops, and it's all just kind of like how you said, like retro, what the fuck, uh, what the hell the thing was called, replay, this some replay shit or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like it's all like fucking sports games, like nothing actually rare because they probably sell that shit on eBay or whatever. <laughs> like they're not gonna keep it up front. Well, they keep a couple of those games like in the back or like behind the desk, you know, and <clears throat> but it's like some. You know, you're not gonna spend three hundred dollars on OG Chrono Trigger for SNES because you can get it like so. A lot of these games you can get now on on the next gen shit. So, like, right. unless you really care about the box and the box art and everything, like, there's no like rarity for games because you could either, you know, uh, get them on the next gen or you can find a way to get a ROM for them or something. So it's not that hard to play the game you want to play. No, definitely. And a lot of those, like the local game shops, will drastically increase the price of stuff that's not actually like worth that much. Because some like people fucked up the retro market or something like that. So like there was a game that was like a PS1 game. The case and everything was immaculate. The, the disc looked fine, but there was no like instruction booklet, the manual or whatever. They still wanted like eighty bucks for it. I'm like, no way, it's not complete. You can fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm not spending money on this. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, it's like a blessing that you can play every game you want, but kind of takes away from the, you know, the experience of going to the game store. Like, it used to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to the mall, going to the game store. You know, it's gonna see what's new. You know, what's what, what's cool, what's what's up coming out, that kind of thing. And now it's just, yeah, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's also, like, a deluge of junk in the fucking industry now, too, so you don't even know. 
like based off of like cover art because you used to be able to like look at cover art on something and be like oh this looks like it might be cool it might be fun but now like any joe blow can hire a competent artist and like make good art for their shit and like you could just like look on the digital storefront and be like okay this looks promising and then like you maybe go to youtube and look up some gameplay and be like oh this is actually trash all right thank god we can do that <laughs> so again fucking ripped off in the store yeah um but mcpanther also had another thing he wanted to say oh uh he says do you fellas still do end of season wrap-up episodes uh, it says, love those. Your rank placements on your master list are crazy. And he asks because season five is looking really, really long because uh, it started from Evil Land to wherever we're up to now. Uh, and he said, feel free to read this on air. Thanks for the podcast. And uh... <laughs> yeah, season five is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> season five is going to be probably the final season and it's just going to go forever. Yeah. Uh, like more, more... Brett, Brett did that shit. And uh, we just, it's so hard just to do a podcast of all of us to do more than just the game episodes. It's like, it's really hard. <clears throat> Maybe once we're old enough to, and retired, we can do that shit. But uh, right now, like just getting together, it's hard enough. And so doing any of those like filler episodes or anything like that, unless we are doing this for like our living, it's not, it's not feasible really. I think we were only able to do that before because Brent was a really a hard ass and I have no life. So he'd be like, all right, every fucking Saturday at two o'clock or whatever the fuck time we did it, we're doing the recording. And I'm like, all right, I'll be there. And he always had stuff prepared. He actually cared <laughs> about the fucking podcast. Like, not that I don't care, but it's like, it was his passion project kind of thing. And so he had like, uh, he would he like he arranged interviews with people. He had like show notes typed up, uh, like a schedule, like things that we we're going to be doing. He did like I, all the ideas for the filler episodes. He wanted to do the master list. He was the one that like decided to do seasons for some fucking reason on shit. I guess I guess the better kind of organized stuff. And I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still just here. I'm just unfortunately the the main host now because it's whatever. That's how it worked out. Uh, but I think, uh, like Kevin and Kyle here do a great job, like helping me out. And, uh, like Kevin said, if this was like a paying gig, I'd care more, but it's just for fun. And, uh, if that's like not great for you guys, well then tough shit. Cause that's how it's going. Unless somebody wants to like actually organize stuff and I'll tag along for that too, but I'm not going to put that pressure on anybody. Like I feel bad enough that Kevin already does like the recording and he, he does the show notes and shit like that. That's and he does the editing. <laughs> <laughs> he makes the show essentially. So, but, uh, yeah, but you know, signs though, so it's not too bad. But uh, I probably could find an easier way to do it. I just don't have time. I don't like. I found the way it's efficient enough. I mean, you could probably do an update of like the list of our ranks, but I don't know. You can tell by like our scores where we kind of sit at it. So I almost think that. I mean, we're, we we would have to put, maybe we could post the list on Facebook or something, like or on the Discord on like uh, a pin, maybe. Well, I'm sure we we could have something like a, a living document that just gets updated after every episode, but that would require me to go back and listen to all the episodes and like collate all the 
like the scores we've given everything to actually put that on the document. No, but can't. after that gets done, it would be easy because you just add it at the end of every show. But uh... what we could do is not just do off points. We could just uh, post it, like have a channel in Discord, like uh, a ranking, like game ranks or something, and then we could post it, pin it to that channel, and well, we can just like in the in between time, like talk about. You'll put a game in there, and we can say we think it's in this in this area, and then kind of like debate that, and then put it where we think it should go. Right. I mean that works. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that uh, if you can find that document. Uh, I mean I have it. It just has blends and sh shit on there too. So it would have to be like completely redone, I think, to fit everybody's who's ever fucking been on the show's score <laughs> and shit. I don't know. It just takes some work and I'm kind of lazy, but maybe I'll get around to it. One of these nights at work when I ain't doing jack shit. Cool. Well, thanks for writing. Yeah, we always appreciate, appreciate it. it. Okay. Oh, do we have uh, any questions from the Discord? Probably not any serious ones. Like, Is, uh, uh, What's better, this or Chained Echoes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chained Echoes. For me, I agree. Chain Echoes is better. Yeah, more fun. The way around. I think Chain Echoes is Xenogears Light, and this is Chrono Trigger Light. Um, that's just my opinion. You might be right, but I like uh, Xenogears more than Chrono Trigger. So, oh, they're both great games. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, this I don't think it's like that far of a distance between the two but i just think that i had a more satisfying experience with chained echoes because the story was uh not so like confounding at times like this one was i agree i like the story better in chained echoes but also the combat like it made the gameplay feel more yeah 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 combo's good uh like enjoyable i guess because you could go all out in every combat encounter and then be prepared for the next one no problem yeah and a lot of the like the, the alternate bosses or uh, endgame shit like that fucking Red Riding Hood bitch was way more challenging than anything else I've done in a game in a long time. And that was really enjoyable to kind of work through and stuff like that. We're going to strategy for that. So. Uh, I guess that's uh, it for us here. Unless anybody else has anything they want to talk about? Mm, I don't think so. All good. I'm excited about right. the new uh, Final Fantasy. I, like, are you? Do you like the remake, Nick? Or are you like on the like this is bullshit? Like a lot. Like Travis is like so anti this remake for some reason. Travis is anti existence. True. Like I don't think there's anything that <laughs> he's like. Oh man, this is great because even stuff he's looking forward to, he'll be like, oh, this is actually fucking trash. And it's like, all right, dude. Uh, but for me, uh, I'm kind of whatever about it. Like, I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy VII fan, and so I haven't really been anticipating the Rebirth release or anything like that, but I'm sure I'll have a decent time playing it. Like, I had enjoyed playing Remake. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean... I think we really like the Yuffie uh, DLC a lot better, because that, oh, sure. that gameplay loop they, they had... Uh... Or the battle system, they tweaked just enough where it was a lot more fun. Really, and um, uh, 
I kind of part of me, I guess, is kind of a troll because I hope they really like absolutely fucking destroy the story and it makes all the fanboys mad. And I want to be there for that. That's gonna be great. Like, I hope, I hope they find a way to like keep every character alive and then like redeem Sephiroth and then your whole party just like destroys Genova or something and there's a happily ever after ever after ending. I feel, like, I feel like that would just fucking piss everybody off. Like, <laughs> and I'm here for it. They're going with it, don't you? Like Zach's alive, gonna be alive, and then uh, Aerith is gonna probably she's gonna die. But there's a you're gonna do the Chrono Trigger thing where you're gonna freeze time and replace her with a broom or something. I think it'd be very ballsy if they uh, like had Cloud somehow save Aerith and then they make Zach the main character. Oh. Switch, uh, switcheroo it. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and save Cloud at the end of the game or some shit. Oh, I mean, you don't really necessarily have to do that, but I think that'd be... like I, I don't think they'd kill Cloud, but I think that'd be quite a, like... Uh, if they're going for, like, changing the narrative or whatever the fuck, that'd be the thing to do, because they got Zack alive, right? So... So, are, is it, like... Is this... Okay, it's not... This Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's not a remake... But it's like a sequel. It's a continuation, but a, it's like a different universe. Final Fantasy Seven. So like, or, and then Aerith is aware that she died in other universes. Was that how you kind of felt it was going to the game? I, I, she... I think it's a different timeline, but she because it's like she's a, a Cetra or whatever, and like the live stream stuff's going on, and she was returned to the live stream previously. That she is able to, like, I guess, see, like, see what happened previously, and like, Sephiroth knows what happened previously too, so that's why he's doing shit too. Yeah. But like, anybody that I guess was returned to the live stream and they have a connection to like the ancients or whatever are able to, I guess, live their past life or whatever in a way, like they know shit's going on. But I don't know. I. It remains to be seen. I'm not like a lore hand with this. I haven't really delved deep into it. This is just kind of what I was getting from the first, I guess, the remake. But Well, the one thing I noticed on uh, remake, like when they showed the Zack scenes, the mascot was like a different kind of dog. You know what I mean? Like, you know that mascot song, the little dog mascot? I don't know if you noticed that or not. Well, like they had that in Crisis Core, right? But like the dog's a different kind of dog in the the Zach scenes when they show him. So that's why I think it's a different. Is it, I didn't pay enough attention to that shit, man. <laughs> I did. A... Tell me what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> you know, like you know the, the dog mascot, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm roughly aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Like. So yeah, it's like one's like a basset hound, one's like a golden retriever or something like that, and that's like the only like difference you can really tell. But that makes me think there's like multiple universes and shit, and it's just like slightly tweaked. So like in that one, Zach lived. So I don't know how somehow they're gonna pull that Zach into the other universe or something. It's all speculation, of course, but. As I guess I'm a bigger fan than you are on this. Oh, definitely. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, excited for it. Um, 
I don't know. I guess there's a lot of speculation out there. I think you're kind of right, though, that there's some sort of alternative story that the ghosts are in charge of Aerith or Aries or Aerith, sorry, clearly seems to know um, something that's going on in the background. But anything more than that is just kind of speculation at this point. So just excited to play it, honestly. And you played the demo all the way through? I did, yeah. How long is it? I only started it. Uh, it's about three hours. Um, quick spoiler on that. It's literally the calm flashback. Uh, even the dialogue is like spot on from the original game. It's kind of funny for how much people are complaining about the changes, how they gave us a demo that was like really like close to one-to-one. Cool. All right, that's all I had to talk about. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll wrap it up then. Um... Say goodbye, everybody. Oh, fuck. That. I thought there was more to that. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>